We are the Adventuring Guild, and this is the Home Brew Review. Once again, for joining us for another adventure of the Homebrew Review. We are in the level 20 part of the segment, the last one in this grouping. I know it's been a ton of fun, and that battle with the Demigorgon was almost as frustrating as the Emerald Spire ending. But, you know, it happens. That's what happens when you're high level. Crazy crap happens. So we'll go ahead and start reviewing with Braden as usual. Once again, if you want to join the podcast, please, please, please check out our Patreon account. And uh, just for $2 a month, you have access to the podcast to submit ideas and to join. We're getting ready for another themed episode coming up here really quick. Uh, It's going to be anime-themed, so that's going to be absolutely off the hook and crazy. So go ahead. uh, We'll start with reviews, Braden. Hello everybody, Brayden here from Australia, once again playing Chark, the Terran commander. Uh, last week was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> it defied all of my expectations of what a demon lord fight would be. Uh, we managed to handle that very handily. I didn't lose a single hit point and I ended up with 10 hit points more than what I started not what I expected at all. Uh, it was it was hilarious and incredibly fun, and just one of the awesome moments that sort of playing D and D with cool people ends up happening. Uh, my best features last week that I found I didn't get to use many of them, but break the command ended up being incredibly powerful. Uh, being able to feeble mind someone as a bonus action for a minute or up to an hour is a uh, just ridiculous. Uh, uh, definitely something that was awesome to use, but maybe something that needs um, balancing in the future. And uh, I've actually spent a bit of time talking to the creator of the class, Lydia, uh, about the things that I've experienced, and have, a few changes have been made to the overall uh, class, which I'm very happy with, uh, considering my gameplay and the experiences I've had with uh, the commander thus far. Advantage on will dice after whipping someone was a very potent ability, which uh, nearly always allowed me to get a critical success now that my proficiency bonus and charisma that I add to my uh, will dice rolls um, is increasing rather large, so the likelihood of me quickly succeeding on everything is uh, above 50%, and then add in the fact that I gain advantage, it's pretty much near impossible or very difficult to just get a regular effect or even fail. I don't think I failed a single command this entire game. Yeah, again, uh, I didn't get a chance to whip that much, but when I did, I assumed the Demigorgon loved it, and I feel like we're making a great connection there. Uh, the background music definitely helped us build our relationship. And, uh, <laughs> that was great. Um, that was that was perfect. <laughs> the stacking damage dice was uh, starting to become 
uh, I end up getting up to 3d8 additional damage, I believe, which is awesome. I think the max I hit was 19 with one whip, which is cool. And now this week, I'm uh, moving on to level 20. I've gained another two points into Charisma because I have gained access to the Tome of Leadership and Influence, so my Charisma is now 22, granting me a plus 18 to Intimidation checks, which is beyond ridiculous, <laughs> and so that means I get an additional potential 68 damage to us. Uh, so getting there is going to be difficult, but once you're there, you're going to be dealing a ton of damage, and then add in the fact that you can uh, use, I believe it was a lemon tart from our cook friend to uh, make sure that next attack is going to be a critical and yeah we're going to be a very potent team this turn uh, I gain a number of cool capstone abilities one called heroic moment and the other called mental of the tyrant I also gain additional use of acumen and more will dice and two more commands uh, the commands at this point are the ones that I could choose, uh, I probably wouldn't use, so I haven't actually chosen two more commands, just uh, gaining more will dice up to 14 now, so uh, I don't really see myself using all of those. Um, my heroic moment feature that I mentioned allows me to gain two will dice if I roll initiative without any will dice remaining, so that's a, that's a cool potential... Um, fail safe in case you're an encounter and then have another encounter in the same day. Uh, and my mantle of the tyrant feature allows me to use a reaction when a creature tries to attack me to cause them to have to make a saving throw or be frightened of me for one minute. Uh, the creature can remake the saving throw at the end of their turns and if they succeed uh, they're immune to it for 24 hours but the good thing about this is if the creature is frightened of me from this ability None of my slaver commands expend will dice, meaning I can just like shoot uh, bonus action feeble minds towards them the entire time. So it's very powerful and an awesome way to cap off the uh, the commander class and the slaver doctrine. Thank you for having me on again, guys. This has been awesome. Uh, it's been nice playing with uh, Mike and Dave and Micro again. Um, and I hopefully will join you again sometime in the future for another game. Bob, as always, thank you. You're an awesome DM. And I love being on the podcast and I um, love the things you're doing here on the Homebrew Review. All right. Hey, it's David back playing the human waterbender knock two. Um, last time, again, crazy encounter. I, I haven't fought Demigorgon much. But uh, I didn't imagine it going like that. It it, it it's kind of like um, you know you're watching uh, like a movie or a TV series, and you know it's kind of building up to this epic climax, and then like three episodes before the finale of the whole thing, it just gets cancelled. And those last episodes never see the light of day. Firefly all over again. <laughs> Because, yeah, you, uh, the battle was going pretty well. I was really interested in seeing, like, everything the Demigorgon could do. And then he ate it. <laughs> and it uh, we spent the last, like, four rounds just waiting for it to die in his, <laughs> in his stomach. It was insane. I, I'm not going to get over just how ridiculous that was. Uh, regardless of, uh, like, 
regardless of whether it was like fully within the rules or like whether we were bending things around a little bit, stuff like that is exactly why I play D&D, why I enjoy putting homebrew classes like this to the test against, um, you know, modules like Out of the Abyss where you just encounter so much crazy stuff. So um, myself playing the Waterbender, I got to do a lot of cool stuff uh, during that last encounter as well. I really enjoyed um, really the variety of stuff I was able to do. I was able to put down a lot of healing. I was able to put down a bit of damage as well. Some of my uh, unique spells came in handy, such as uh, Greater Restoration to restore those uh, that HP damage that took his total hit points down a couple notches, and then using um, like Aura of Purity to uh, make sure that uh, they got resistance to necrotic and that they couldn't get affected by uh, hit point reduction. That's all been um, really cool to get to uh, actually utilize those and you know really see what this class can do when you when you really put it through its paces. So that was all really cool to see. Coming up here at level 20, I've got a couple awesome boosts to the class. Uh, first of all, I've got Chi Mastery, which is an ability that basically lets me use uh, one first level spell and one second level spell without using Chi, so I don't spend anything to use those two specific spells, which we're at level 20 and they're first and second level spells and there's only one of each, so I don't imagine that being super powerful, but you know, little things where we're sitting around at a short rest and I really want to use Cure Wounds, but I don't uh, really want to spend the spell points, that will uh, come in handy a lot. The other thing that I get is Purifying Waves, which does a lot of the th same things as Aura of Purity, except it's just kind of a passive effect that I can trigger once per day. Basically, these cleansing waters come out from under my feet and all my allies get resistance to certain things and immunity from certain things, and it counts difficult terrain for any enemies. And yeah, just abilities like that, and also I get a couple upgrades to my cantrips, a couple more spells at ninth level. Like, oh my god, this is going to be so cool. I'm just extremely excited for this. Also, um... The kind DM Robert is allowing us to uh, take one very rare item for each of us and then one legendary item just all together for the four of us, just one. So I was the lucky person that got to take that legendary item and I got the Robe of the Arch Magi, which ups my AC to 17, which is going to be just ridiculous because when I activate my Tidal Conduit, which lasts a whole minute, I get a plus 7 to AC on top of that. So my, my AC is going to be 24. That's which, higher okay. than the Demigorgon. <laughs> At level 20, your character is supposed to be freaking overpowered. That's a little bit much, though. I, I Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time getting hit with an AC like that. You say that now. Challenge accepted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, oh, if you don't if you don't kill us all off after that ridiculous fight with the Demigorgon, I'm going to be a little bit mad. You have to make it so unfair for us this time. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. 
uh, the extreme amount of chi that I've gotten, which, you know, acts pretty much like spell points, has really come in handy for these later encounters where I'm where I'm using a lot of 4th and 5th level spells and even, you know, 6th and 7th and 8th. Um, one thing that does balance that out so that it doesn't get overpowered is for the spell slots uh, 6, 7, 8, and 9, I can only use one of those each per long rest. So I can use one 6th level spell, one 7th level spell, one 8th, and so on. So while that may have gotten a little overpowered, uh, in the mid-game, where, you know, a 5th level spell is the most I can do, and I have, like, 70 chi points, so I can just shoot those off as much as I want. Uh, in the later game, when I can only use, like, one 7th level spell per long rest, that's gonna really, you know, tamp things down, so I'm not using these epic spells every round. And I think that's gonna do a lot to, uh, help the balance of this class, so... You know, I'm I'm excited to see how this goes. I'm looking forward to see how the balance ends up. But uh, you know, whatever happens, I'm sure this will be just as ridiculous as the last round. So, yeah, good luck, everyone. Well, it's Mike, and he's back with Squig, the Wargmaster, and Bitterfang, the albino terror who <laughs> ate a demigorgon last week. Uh, I feel like this is going to be an inside joke amongst us for a long time, and I, I hope it was as fun for everybody else as it was for me. Uh, I mentioned last week that it, it, there was a bit of conflict in me because I felt like, although it was awesome to do... Oh, man. You know, I kind of felt like everybody else had to stand around and twiddle their thumbs and just waiting for things to end. But, uh... Yeah, but Bitterfang got a scritch on the tummy. Yeah. <laughs> it was... That was a, an epic moment for me in my gaming career. Uh, moving into 20th level, uh, I gained a few things at, obviously, Proficiency 6. Uh, put my wisdom up to 20 so that I can have higher... Uh, DCs for my spells and whatnot. I get an ability called Master's Call that comes at 17th level. Uh, I can use it to manifest my avatar immediately if it would be slain. Uh, can't use it for long rest, so uh, that means that I can actually let him full-on tank a fight, and then as an action, pop it right back up. Uh, at 18th level, I picked up Avatar Embodiment, uh, which allows Squig to take evolutions, so now he's changing too. He's going through some changes. Uh, Squig picked up a breath attack of acid, which uh, we'll go through the specifics on that later. He gained some natural armor. He gained swift, so now he has 10-foot move. Little goblin feet. He goes 35 feet now per round, and he has boost speed, so that's even better. And he picked up for three points a web attack, so he can actually do a little crowd control on top of everything else. And at 20th level, the Idolist gets Apex of Evolution. At 20th level, I can meld with the Avatar as an action as long as I'm within five feet. While melded, I will be inside him. Don't play, don't play the music. Right next Brain. to the Demigorgon. Uh, yeah, don't, think, don't think about so, it too much. We, we will meld together, uh, becoming one. Um, I can't be targeted by spells or attacks. If the Avatar is slain, I'll pop out in the last... Uh, in the area where he occupied. Uh, me and my avatar can still take actions normally well melded, and I can separate as an action. 
those are interesting. I can't wait to use some of those. And then as far as Bitterfang, his evolutions, I had one point left over from the last week, so I carried that over into five points this time around. Uh, he gained magic resistance. He'll have mag- advantage on saves versus magic attacks. And he gained poison. His bite attack is now also poisonous, so it'll be a con save of 19 based on my stats, or the enemy will be poisoned for one minute. Oh, I don't know what Bob has on the menu for me today. I do plan on eating something else. (laughs) I just want everyone to know that while Mike was talking, uh, Robert got up and grabbed another tray of dice from the table to the side because apparently the ones he had were not enough for the insane amount of damage he's going to be dealing to us this round. Only have two full sets here. I needed some more sixes and eights. Challenge accepted. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> I hope that you have enjoyed this wonderful five course meal we have been serving to you. <laughs> oh, by the way, everybody, I have been having so much fun playing Hamich, the Grung Chef. Once once again, as just to reiterate the point that has been made by my fellow party members, last week was right up there along with some of the best moments of D&D that I have ever been a part of. Between DJ's polymorph and um, Tracy's pummeling of blackguards and assassins, it's it's right up there. Um, Going into level 20, it's... I don't want to be that guy, but it's a lot more of the same for the chef. All of your recipes are, you know, have been improved at level 17. Um, one of the things I really like about this class is that unlike a lot of your casters where, you know, you're picking and choosing your spells, the spell list, or the, the quote-unquote spell list, your recipe list, once you hit level 20, is complete. You have access to every recipe that, you're, that, that, that exists that is not one of the... Uh, chef specialty recipes. So, you will always be able to make pretty much anything that you need, um, which I really like. You know, then it's just a matter of choosing which recipes you're going to cook in each long rest. You know, you're not, you don't, you don't have to worry about missing out on something because I took this instead of this. You know, it's really just a matter of making sure, you know, it's, it's a build order at that point where you know, knowing what your party needs when it needs it is going to be your biggest your biggest challenge to creating the chef. Um, some of the fun features that I'm going to be getting access to at level 20 are uh, the Master Chef ability, which uh, once per day allows me to, uh, during a short rest, create a number of recipes equal to my Wisdom modifier. Uh, I cannot create new recipes, but I can replenish used recipes. So, you know... After I've handed out my four vegetable medley stews, once we hit a long rest, I can make those stew or a short rest. We can make those stews again, and we can have more resistances. Um, I gain. I, I will by this time have gained access to my final uh, specialist recipe as a pastry chef in the form of the creme brulee, which uh, all of the pastry chef special recipes are, of course, eaten as a reaction. This one is a reaction to 
rolling damage dice. So I hit with my attack, now I'm going to go roll damage dice. I'm just going to eat this creme brulee, and now any dice that I roll a minimum on are treated as rolling a maximum. So I'm pretty sure that either uh, Bitter Fang or Shark are going to be hopefully taking advantage of the creme brulee. I really like the way that this class is, is was developed. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, I've also gained access to my Sweet Miasma, which, if you remember from the very first episode, I mentioned that I have the Sweet Smell Aura that provides uh, dis- disadvantage on attacks of opportunity made within 5 feet of me. Well, at 18th level, that aura increases to 10 feet, so I don't have to be standing right next to my allies for them to be able to take advantage of this, this ability, which has come into play in previous episodes and was, was kind of clutch. But yeah, the, the biggest thing for me as far as this class is concerned is it's versatile, there's a lot of choices to be made, but by the time it's all said and done, you're not missing out on anything the class has to offer. It's I'm, I'm looking forward to utilizing some of these special features and uh, you know max, maximizing uh, potential with some of the delicious foods that I will be making for my for my crew. Also, as a, as a point going into the wonderful magical items that Bob has granted us access to. At 20th level, rather than taking an ability score increase, I opted to take the rather uh, unexpected feat in medium armor proficiency so that I can make use of my choice of a very rare item, which is a bronze horn of Valhalla. For those of you who don't know, I blow the horn and 4d4 plus 4 berserkers show up to fight for me. So that'll give us some cannon fodder if we need it, and uh, a lot of mouths to feed. Alright, so we will go ahead and get started. Kind of, uh, first off, this is an adventure module called To the End of Time by Winghorn Press and Richard Jansen Parks. Uh, Founded on the DMS Guild uh, quite a while ago, and I fell in love with it and have been wanting to to do this so badly, but I have never had the time, and trying to take new players up at level 20 is absolutely ridiculous, Uh, so I haven't had an experienced enough group to do this yet. So, basically, what is going to happen right now is you all need to tell me how you died. What is your very last... What is the last thing you did before you take your final breath? It could be anything from slaying a dragon to to jumping off of a tower, to any number of crazy and ridiculous things, if I know this group. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with the same order, starting with Brayden. Go ahead and tell me what would have been the last thing you would have done before you died. All right. Uh, Chuck's entire sort of goal after he's been kicked out from his, uh, banished from his roost and community was to accomplish a task that would redeem him in the eyes of his uh, people. So not gaining the glory of being able to kill Demogorgon on sort of deliver uh, a final blow to Demogorgon has uh, <laughs> kind of put a little notch in his ego and he wanted to really do something that would uh, redeem himself in the eyes of his people and since they're in Menzo Branza now, and the drow are the most hated creatures by the Terran. Uh, he would have just trucked around Menzo Branza by himself, uh, attempting to take on the entire population and kill any drow he could see, eventually coming to uh, maybe the matron mother or Lolf herself 
in uh, the form of a drow or a drider or something along those lines, a giant spider, and then he would have immediately charged at the powerful creature uh, without care, attempting to slay it. Alright, as as your sword pierces the heart of the vessel of Lolth, the fangs of the creature that she was inhabiting sink into your neck and you feel your body start to slowly seize up and go cold when all of a sudden a, a rush envelops you and everything goes black. Dave. Alright, so normally Noctu would uh, be against the idea of, you know, looting a destroyed city, get cleared of its inhabitants, but uh, he heard someone say a while ago that the drow were, you know, evil or something, so uh, he's not above it at this point. (laughs) So he's going to go to maybe, you know, upper west side of the city, you know, where the the big drow houses are, and... uh, he started to look around and found a particularly uh, intriguing item in a chest up there. It was it was a wand imbued with a certain magical spell that he could not determine. And so trying to test it outdoors, he cast a spell using what he did not know was the Wand of Wonder. And due to uh, significant bad luck on his part, he was petrified immediately. And with no one around him to, you know, unpetrify him, he just became a num- another uh, stack of rocks in a city of smoldering destruction, uh, going completely unnoticed. Alright, as that rock begins to envelop you from the feet up and you slowly stop being able to move, you take your last big inhalation and then all of a sudden a rush happens around you and everything goes black. Mike. That reminds me slightly of Hope when she got the deck of many things. Oh my god, yeah, the very first card she pulled out of the deck of many things. Oh boy. (laughs) Alright. Well... Not a lot of goblin heroes in the realms. Yeah. Pretty pretty short list. Um, the word of Squig and Bitterfang's success, if you can call it that, traipsing across the countryside, swallowing demons, and <laughs> no, I'm never going to let it go away. Um, and yeah, word of their success and their, their victories has made their way across uh, the, the, the plains and mountains and valleys and swamps. And uh, the goblin clan who once kept him under their thumb and picked on him for being the runt of the, the clan and and gave him all the crap jobs and shoved him out and never included him, That they now actually saw him as a hero. And so he reluctantly came home to a place where he once wanted nothing more than to get away from, but he came back as, as a hero, and they actually, you know, for whatever you could call it, a parade in his honor. I don't know what a goblin parade would consist of, but I'm pretty sure it'd be pretty ramshackle. Uh, but uh, as he as he's coming home, he gets word that that particular region, there's always been threat of black dragons. And They've been able to deal with them. They kind of hide. They they jump inside the caves and caverns and whatnot. But uh, this black dragon has actually been ravaging the countryside. And so what else can a goblin hero do but take on the black dragon? So he assembles his uh, the other warg riders, and he takes them, finally living his dream of going into battle, leading a pack of warg riders. And while they did slay the dragon, sadly enough... 
Squig met his end. As your ward was charging in head on into the dragon, it releases its breath weapon. You jump over the top of it as your ward disintegrates beneath you, running your what kind of weapon do you will? Oh, at this point? <laughs> a good question. Um, we've never really worked much with his weapons, but I suppose at this point, we'll go ahead and give him a couple of daggers so he can just... Alright. He flies off the top of his warg and buries both daggers into the eyes of the dragon before he's flung off and crushed. But right as that giant claw comes to smash you, you are whisked away and everything goes black. I have been poking around the remains of this battlefield. Searching for any sign of my friends. Squig has uh, run off long ago. I have not heard from Shark or Urtu ah, words <laughs> for some time, but I know what I truly seek lies somewhere around there. I pick up a piece of flesh. I do not know what it is. <laughs> But I have a hunch. <laughs> For where it was is not far from where our fight ended. So I take it to my campfire. And begin to cook what smells like the most brilliant meals that I have ever made. With the finest herbs and spices from my pouch. I begin to create the brace demigorgon. <laughs> 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 it's just gotta taste so gamey <laughs> As it sizzles succulently I know that it is now time And I take out one of my chef's knives And trim off just a small portion To taste To know and then I choked that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what color is your skin? Uh, probably uh, like a, like a, a teal. Okay. As as you take the bite, your you start to choke, and your teal colored skin turns even more blue and and gets closer and closer to purple. When all of a sudden you feel a rush, and everything goes black around you. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> I know, right? Are you gonna make it, Mike? No. <laughs> All right. You guys wake up on the floor of a large, airy room with polished oak floors and a high vaulted ceiling. The walls are lined with shelves that hold a huge number of books, as well as an array of timekeeping devices hourglasses, sundials, candles, etc. Tall windows let in bright sunlight and show a view of a wild mountain peak. However, as you look around, you notice signs of fighting. Some of the shelves have enormous slashes in them. Others look like they're scorched and blackened as if in, uh, exposed to intense fire. Torn pages litter the floor and shattered glass twinkles among the piles of sand that used to be hourglasses. While the... Uh, while you see slumped forms of humanoids wearing blood-stained robes that are lying against the walls and floor, a incredibly tall, well-muscled humanoid with lustrous green skin is sitting on the floor within a ring of arcane sigils. He is clutching at a deep wound in his side, and a torn white wing hangs limply from his back. In a deep, resonant voice, he introduces himself as Amazael. He is an angel of Ogma, 
and he has one favor to ask of all of you. He says that he has used the forbidden magic, chronomancy, to take you from the very moment of your deaths, and as you were once the greatest heroes, he asks uh, that you once again try to save the world. Has he met us? <laughs> I was going to say, anybody that could eat a demigorgon, one of the demon lords, surely must be the most powerful of warriors. Scratch tongue. <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. Good boy. As right. evidenced, I did not exactly eat him. <laughs> Details. Um, <laughs> you attempted. That's the important part. He says that your deaths are completely unavoidable. When all of this ends, you will be returned to your time exactly as you were, but he can let you live for a little bit longer if you are willing to help him out. And in return, he will grant you any boon that he can. Uh, he obviously cannot restore your lives, but he will give you anything else that, that you could want uh, if you just help him. Uh, he says that a few hours ago, the Shrine of Agma was attacked by a former angel uh, named Timpani. Uh, she was one of the 24 most powerful angels in creation and was in charge of staving off incursions from the far realms. Uh, she just appeared all of a sudden within the shrine with, a, with dozens of lesser angels and began to attack. Her robes were tattered and she had inky black stains all over her. Uh, she demanded that the inhabitants turn over all they knew about chronomancy so that she could prevent the far realms from destroying everything. But but she was mad. He could see it in her eyes. Uh, they fought bravely, but she was able to get through. And she cut down uh, Amazael himself and left him for dead. He believes that she has retreated to the temple devoted to the study of the far realms based in the Underdark. And there is a teleportation circle set up, and he will send you there as soon as you're able to move. How did you know that we hadn't, like, died of old age, and you were bringing back, like, a 98-year-old used-to-be hero, now senile old man? Since you were on that verge of death, and you would have been ascended to the heavens, he could sense that impending moment and knew and ripped you from that moment. Okay. <laughs> I turn to my uh, colleagues and I say, Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, it's been a while. How's it going? Where did you run off to? I was cooking supper for you. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> Sorry. Well, the sad part is I don't remember how it tasted. I do have the telepathic link and ability to communicate <laughs> with Bitter Fang. He says, not good. <laughs> but Demi I did not cook it. Demi-Gorgon, the other white meat. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just remember, it had not gone under my knife. Hmm. Alright, so do you guys agree to help him out? Well, it's blatantly obvious that I have nothing but something to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my exact words. He would ask what boon you want granted. Uh, so, in case of your death, in, again or whatever, <laughs> he would be able to still carry out your last wishes. I want my son to be the most intimidating creature in the attack. <laughs> yeah, he starts getting him tattoos all over, I mean, uh, doing the whole teardrop under the eye, but it's going to be in the shape of a drow skull, you know, yeah. got a couple extra scars somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy. <laughs> Dave? Oh, skip me. Skip you, Thank okay. You. Mike. 
Um, I like the idea you mentioned of a statue. Okay. <laughs> yep. Nice big old statue in the Goblin Square. Okay. <laughs> of uh, me and Bitterfang. Me just kind of on top like this. <laughs> <laughs> Striking a pose. Exactly. So that all runt goblins can look up. Exactly. Looking considerably more small than you actually were. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like a... A cookbook. A cookbook. Yes. Filled with all of my... Uh, most fascinating of recipes, including, including, my final recipe. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't get your, uh, if you can't get fresh demi gorgon, store bought will do. Basically, <laughs> okay, is what I want. I want everyone to know and experience the joys that I had with the foods that I ate throughout my life. I feel like that becomes a magic item that automatically grants <laughs> you proficiency. And survival. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You are now immune to poison because there is no greater poison than what you have just eaten. <laughs> okay. I would have I would have wanted um, you know, someone to look over my family for, you know, generations and make sure they don't you know, fall into ruin without some kind of male um, father figure or provider looking over the clan for a while just to make sure that things go well so that it becomes, you know, like a dynasty that lasts okay. generations. So after uh, you tell him what you want granted, he promises to make it happen and he levitates over three hourglasses and he explains that these are the only get, these are the only thing he can do to to help you. He is too wounded to leave this place, but he says all you need to do is smash one of these hourglasses against the ground, and everybody around, wherever it, it, it crashes, everybody around you, time will stop for one hour, so you can recover, bandage your wounds, anything that you need to do. And then he uh, instructs you to step within the teleportation circle, and begins encanting the spell. Is there anything you would like to do right before you guys lift off into space? Well, take a minute to savor some broiled scorpion on a stick. Okay. Utilizing my uh, uh, savor the taste class feature that uh, allows me to spend one minute consuming one of my recipes instead of its normal eating time and thus uh, tripling the duration of the spell. So now I'll have three hours of bonus two dexterity checks and um reduce fall damage and adding my wisdom modifier to dexterity saves. In the event that Bitterfang was not already summoned, I will perform my ten minute ritual to summon him for the first time today. Yep, I would say he was able to come with you, but yeah, that's not a problem. Okay, anything, Dave? Uh, I would have I would have asked him uh, one time in grade school I, 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 I said take it for granite I meant take it for granted. <laughs> Everyone laughed. Can you, uh, I meant to say granted. Can you go back and, can I go back and, can I, can I do granted? He says since chronomancy is uh, forbidden already, he is not able to take that back. That's extremely embarrassing moment. Uh, but he does promise to erase the memories of all of your friends so that they no longer remember that it happened. Oh, I'll kill them. <laughs> or kill them. Whichever you prefer. He has zero preference between Actually, the two. Actually, by accident, he, he erases the memory of your existence from their... <laughs> oh my god. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Alright, anything you would like to do, uh, Braden, before we get started? 
I am fairly well fine. I'm ready to whip oh, some things. Wait, do I have time to oh. divvy out uh, the appropriate stoofs? Yes, divvy. Everybody gets a vegetable medley stew. Yay. Um, Mike and Braden each take a uh, bullseye soup. Braden take. Do I have my sea crab? Braden take a seasoned sea crab. Mike take a uh, thick and juicy steak. And so after eating these, do we only gain an extra action on our turn if it's a reaction to eat them? Um. Uh. So. So that. So my. Uh, um. My sugar rush ability only applies to the actual desserts that I make. The. Uh, so it would be like the lemon tart, the creme brulee, the strawberry vanilla cupcake, or the passion fruit cheesecake. So I will be giving you a lemon tart. Delicious. I will be giving Mike the creme brulee. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> Refreshing. It's been Refreshing. Like, it's been super hard not reverting to a skeletal uh, It's great. I will be giving each of you a, uh, a pan fried skewer which is a bonus action to eat. Once consumed, you become invigorated by a momentary boost of power. Whenever, when, whenever you make a damage roll during the recipe's duration, you can choose to deal bonus damage equal to the Chef's Wisdom modifier and end the recipe. So you have a minute to use it, and once you use it, the recipe ends, but you gain, at this point, 3d4 plus 5 to any damage roll you make. Cool. I will give David a Red Velvet Cupcake. Which, once consumed, you may immediately re-roll the a, a saving throw against one effect that is causing you to be charmed or frightened, and since we're now at 17th, past 17th level, or poisoned or stunned or blind or deafened. Good. So you can re-roll a saving throw against any of those. Um, I will also give you one of my schnitzels. Okay, I still have a... Slightly yes. petrified schnitzel. So, slightly <laughs> better. As, as in, um, also just just as a note, I don't know if I ever actually mentioned this before. At the beginning of each long rest, any unused recipes are rendered inedible. <clears throat> How does the creme brulee work again? So the creme brulee, eating time one reaction, duration instant heats. This decadent dessert is made with cream and vanilla beans. You consume this recipe as a reaction when you are about to make a damage roll. Any dice that roll their minimum number are instead treated as though they rolled their maximum number. So you hit with something big. Eat the creme brulee. Like my breath attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to get some uh, potential decent damage rolls. Uh, other than that, any other questions about any of the recipes I've handed out? Did you have any deviled sausage? I did not make any devil sauce. Okay. Just because it's interesting, but there's a... The fact that there's a fail factor yep. to it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, and fireball truffles, any of those? I did not make fireball truffles. Okay. I instead made a dipping cake for me. <laughs> We're going out the way we came in. Exactly. <laughs> See me choke on any demigorgon. I'll just barf it up. You could have used some Ipecac. How was I supposed to? How was I supposed to swallow it when my throat was already full of demigorgon? <laughs> Point. Yeah. Does Our, anyone, anyone want um, a break command whispered in their ear to pass on to the next creature you see? Try not smart enough. Yeah. No. I'll keep my dust. All right. The bright lights of the shrine fade as you feel the strange rushing sensation of teleportation magic. Suddenly, the pressure disappears and you feel the rush of cool air on your face as you emerge into reality once more. 
As you pull away from your fellow adventurers and take stock of your surroundings, you see that you are on the shore of a great subterranean lake. The inky blackness of the cavern is broken only by the phosphorescent purple glow that shimmers across the surface of the water. On the far side of the lake, the cavern walls close in, and right at the point where they meet it, uh, is what appears to be a temple, barely visible in the wavering light. What would you guys like to do? Do you have to go through the water, or can we go around? Go ahead and everybody give me a perception check. My passive perception is 26. Mine's 26 also. Yeah, you guys... Um, 20, 24. <laughs> yeah. You guys would able to, um, looking around, you can notice that there's a path uh, leading to a jetty right by the waterside, and a large bell is there as well, um, uh, and a rowboat and everything is tied to its moorings. And a human wearing the robes embroidered with the scroll symbol of Agma lies dead in the boat with a deep gash across his chest. So it looks like they were trying to cross the lake there when um, one of them was struck down. I could always use control water and just create a trench. That way we could just walk across. All right, Moses. I can just take <laughs> me to it. I can just walk along the floor anyway. <laughs> Good, exactly. Uh, you do notice that this water is icy cold, but otherwise harmless. I will see you guys on the other side. <laughs> As you guys get right to the edge of the water, um, your guys' perception is high enough to identify that five um, mind flayers emerge and rip uh, emerge from a rip and float above the water, heading to the temple. So as they do so, a trio of large winged shapes descends from the roof of a cavern and starts firing jets of flame into the mind flayers. You guys are able to tell that they are young brass dragons, and within a matter of moments, they've destroyed the uh, mind flayers. They spot you guys right at the edge of the shore and uh, begin to approach. So dragon, when they get dragon, 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 yeah. when they get within sixty feet or so, they demand that you identify yourselves because they clearly see that you're not from the far realms like the mind flayers are. So they're not going to immediately attack. Bonjour. What's it? My name what's is Honey. Same name. What's that? What's our team name? Oh, what's your team name? <laughs> we have not decided on that. We haven't done a lot of role playing. Go ahead, Micah. Micah, make one up. Zema. Zema. Okay. We are Zema. <laughs> Between you making food and everybody eating it, and and our warg eating everybody and everything. Zema of justice. Zema of justice. Okay, and Dave can create a nice glass of water to, to help. No, I'm you. the freezer. The freezer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so what would you guys like to do? They've, they've uh, uh, told you guys to identify yourselves. Bonjour, I am Amish, world renowned chef. Is there any request I can... Uh, <laughs> would you like a meal? Uh, they say that they basically don't have time. They're protecting the temple uh, from anything from the outer realms, from the far plains, uh, or far realms. Uh, Tempany summoned them here to make sure nobody crossed this lake and nothing gets across it. They say their names are Bellana, uh, Baneri, and Bellanino. What, what's, in the, what's in the temple? Uh, their summoner, Tempany, is there. Uh, have you noticed anything weird about her? Uh, they say that it isn't really within their purview to criticize the one that summoned them. Uh, they're just basically following orders. Do not worry, we will not tell. We are very trustworthy people. This man, he's beast. He, he ate the demigorgon. 
It's true. <laughs> it's true. They they would definitely raise an eyebrow at that, but uh, because this is obviously in the Underdark uh, at this point, uh, so they would be a little bit skeptical. But you know, they'll they're like, okay, well, good for you. Um, we're just kind of hanging out here, taking care of mind players. I uh, I say I look at them. I'm gonna eat my sea crab quickly, just like turn back towards them, and I'm gonna say, um, "We have business in the temple. You will let us pass." And I look them right in the eyes, try to intimidate. Okay, go ahead and roll that. I'm getting an Obi Wan Kenobi feel. I've you don't a, need uh, plus, to see my plus twenty three to intimidation. <laughs> Holy God. Uh, 35. Oh, Jesus. Um, the DC was 25, so all you had to do was roll a 2. Um, yeah, <laughs> Don't so roll they, a 1. They, they won't, you know, they'll let you pass, but they're not going to, you know, do anything else. They'll just look the other way while you guys, uh, while you guys pass. So just as a reminder, Brayden, that lasts an hour. That's crazy. Okay. All right, so then you guys all climb in the boat and head out? Yeah, it's just so. All right, they take flight again, uh, soaring up into the top parts of the cavern. And how big is the boat? Nah, technically it's not very big. So it would basically be the four of you, and then you call him over. Good. Uh, but yeah, you're. Very I like easy. having a solution to that being a problem. Exactly right, and you don't have to do like a huge ritual with it, like you nope. would like a normal warlock or whatever. All right. Um, Wait, check, check the body of the uh, person on the boat. It wasn't wearing anything, or wasn't wearing anything. Uh, had clothes on, but uh, that's it. Uh, just the uh, robe that with the bloody, bloody slash through it. Okay. All right, so you guys get to the other side of the lake, and you notice a temple in front of you, and you... I kick down the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, our grung support chef is going to take the lead. He's got the legs. legs. Those powerful frog legs. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, so you guys cross the lake without an issue. You get up to the doors of the chapel, and you open them. A large room with high ceilings held up by thick pillars of gray stone opens up before you. Wooden pews stand on either side of the aisle that runs up the stone altar carved with a scroll, behind which stands a beautiful statue of an angelic woman. Smaller doors lead off from the left and the right of the room, and a staircase to the rear heads downwards. All around lie the same signs of violence you saw back at the shrine. Blood blood splatters the floor, and splintered wood seems... uh, shows where heavy blades tore pews apart. A white-robed elf with a bloody bandage pulled tight across his eyes is praying at the altar. Standing guard over him are three angelic figures, tall and powerful, but with a strange air of sickness about them. Their skin is deathly pale, and the orbs of their eyes are a black void. I do not know about you guys, but I do not think angels are supposed to look like this. Maybe they need a hearty soup. Excuse me, Angel. (laughs) (laughs) I've never met an angel. I don't know. I have not seen them, but I've had stories. Alright, so what would you guys like to do? You're currently standing in the doorway. Slowly approach. Yeah. Alright, you slowly approach. Are you going to do it stealthfully or just act, you know, act like you're just walking? Yeah, I feel like. I want to be sneaky just because I have good bonuses to being sneaky right now. Alright, yeah, if you guys want to roll a stealth check, go for it. How about you guys be sneaky and Hey, that's a natural 20. Right up the middle. <laughs> it's not going to matter. I rolled a crit on the 
I'll go see you guys. So, um, one of the angelic figures points to your party and says, uh, or in uh, motions to the uh, cleric, this one's kneeling there praying. And the cleric turns around kind of in your general direction and uh, uh, introduces himself as Shinoa and asked why you're here is clearly you couldn't have stumbled upon this by accident. Well, you see, sir, we stumbled upon this place by accident. <laughs> <laughs> why could we not have stumbled across the place by accident? We are a adventuring group from the Underdark. It is quite conceivable that we managed to just randomly come across this place. This is not my office. <laughs> he says that that is completely impossible, as there are no caverns leading in or out of this place. The only way to get here is via teleportation. Where is Tempani? Yeah, uh, it's very possible I may have tried to teleport the group somewhere <laughs> underground, and it uh, See, we went trying to slightly go to the moon. haywire. We were trying to go to the moon. <laughs> Roll me a deception check. Just do it as a group deception. Just whoever, yeah, whoever wants to lie is welcome to do it. I'm not. Even <laughs> That's an 18. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll let him do it. Okay. Yeah, that is uh, two points higher than uh, what they rolled to check it out. So he believes you, though, very skeptically. Um, but he, he basically asks you guys to just get the hell out of the way and go back the way you came. Well, now we're curious. That's what his last uh, use of teleportation for at least 24 hours. <laughs> okay. We cannot leave. Uh, now he basically says that just don't get in the way of anything, sit and wait until you can cast a spell again, and leave. Well, what's so important? Uh, he says that great plans uh, to save the world are occur occurring right now. From what? From the Far Realms. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, an angel, one of the chosen ones, obviously, Tempany, uh, has a plan that will protect this plane from the Far Realms forever. I mean, I mean I'm sure you've, you've noticed some of the incursions going on. We heard a battle a little bit ago. I, I'm sure the dragons took out some mind flares. You must have been right there to see it happen. They're trying to invade, and Tempany is the one that will protect us all. Can we meet her? Uh, she is too busy right now uh, performing the ritual to to save all of this. Uh, she's completely indisposed. Is she hungry? She may very well be afterward. Uh, no, wait, she's an angel. She doesn't need to eat. She is ab above that. Would you like to taste something succulent and delicious? He needs to continue praying, but he appreciates the offer. Who are you praying to? Agma. He is a high-level cleric of Agma. Well, everything seems Dave just goes, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know why I thought that would be good information, but... Everything seems to be in order. You have passed your inspection. Congratulations! <laughs> okay, uh, he doesn't really make a move to stop you guys or anything like that. Um, as far as, uh, like, getting in your way, as long as you guys don't get into his way. So you're kind of free to do whatever you want. All right. What's the room look like? Uh, it's a very large chapel. There's uh, obvious signs of violence uh, with blood splatters all over the floor and splintered wood. Uh, there's a staircase in the rear as well as um, doors that lead off from the left and the right of the room. Um, let's, let's, let's team huddle in the corner. Discuss okay. what we can do. 
I don't know about this on my fellow. Is this the kind of things that he would stand for in his temple? I feel like this is this is one of those one of those like plans to save the world where like instead of actually saving the world, they're like I don't know, killing everyone to to, to save. Do we know what Ogma is? Uh, yeah, you would know Og. Well, I don't know if you guys would or not. Uh, anybody that has kind of a, either proficiency in religion or whatever would probably know that he's kind of the god of knowledge. Uh, and agriculture and that kind of stuff. But knowledge is a big thought that what if we've been recruited by this guy to quote save the world, and we're actually hired to stop the people who are actually trying to? What if these guys are telling the truth, and we are actually instruments of destruction? Oh, now that's Mike. Squig has no idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a. Very specific definition between player and character. Noctu well, would be very suspicious and would use his natural proficiency in investigation that has not been used at all so far to investigate. Okay. And or well said. <laughs> history. The subject. Actually, I've got a pretty decent insight. Yeah, do you guys want to roll insight or whatever? You totally can. I would love to. That is a 28 insight. He 100% believes what he's saying. <laughs> but then when, when an angel of your particular religion comes to you and says, this is what's going to happen, you would most likely believe that angel. See, I could see that this cleric would definitely be on... No, the, the, the cleric is an angel. Isn't it? No, the oh. uh, the guy with the the eye band you've been talking to is a high level cleric okay. of Agma. Uh, he is basically Tempany's lieutenant. Um, yeah, he one that he one hundred percent believes that uh, Tempany is going to save the world from the far realms, and that if you guys just understood the horrors of that place as well as he did, that you would agree with him. That this is the only way it can be done. Uh, how? Is he, how, how are you going to save the, the, the from the far realms? Oh, is there any a, a, you know broad strokes of the plan, or is it just yeah. you know like go back in time, make it so the far realms never existed, or something along those lines? They're going to use chronomancy. Oh yeah, they're going to use chronomancy to stop time so that all the horrors in the far realms can be destroyed all at once. So they're gonna like wage a war in like microseconds by stopping Basically. time. Yeah, a complete route because they would time would be stopped for everything in the far realms. So why would what was the angel that that saved us and brought us here? Azale. What is his motivation? Well, he's this? like he's like the keeper of the time stuff. So he like he would. Yeah, he fears that her plans will likely cause huge damage to the world and render it completely unrecognizable as timelines change and paradoxes are erased. Because gotcha. she's going to be messing with the timeline. So it's not so much that he wants to stop her from ending the, the Far Realms, it's that stop her trying to do it could backfire on everyone else. Yep, he's worried that Chronomancy, and something's different about her. Since she went into the Far Realms during the last expedition, she's changed. Something is off about her. She's gone mad. Did you by chance have the thing that allows us to communicate telepathically? No, I did not think so. That's too bad. Because then we wouldn't even need to huddle. Exactly. I'm also sad that you haven't yet use the phrase, now go away before I'm forced to taunt you a second time. <laughs> <laughs> because those are Frenchmen. I am Frogman. 
<laughs> he, um, he has an intense hatred for the French. Which is he just uses their accent ironically. Which yeah. is not at all. May we explore the temple? Should we explore the rest of it? Hey, can we explore? He doesn't make any move to stop you. He just says, just don't get in the way of anything that's going on. Let's go up those stairs. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, there's doors on the side and then uh, stairways descending down. Let's go down. How, how big are these stairs? I'm concerned about... Oh, you, I'm not going to make you check everything. You can squeeze through? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to make you mess like with maybe that. maybe half movement speed for him to, like, stick a paw through and... Yeah, something like okay. that. You're able to get through. Because, I mean, I can use enlarge reduce to shrink him back down to his normal size. Yeah, no, not a problem. I'm not going to make you do all that. Alright, stairs lead down to a small door. It seems to be made of a solid slab of gray stone carved with runes that shimmer with a silvery light. As you approach, there is a noise of grinding stone and runes spark with light. Slowly, the door swings open, seemingly inviting you in. I was going to suggest casting stone to flesh. Ew. Icky. Let's go in. All right. You guys go in, and you see that it's a very large uh, room lit by magical torches that provide the feel and warmth of sunlight. Water trickles through a fountain in the rear of the room, and a four and two four-poster beds equipped with thick red curtains lie in the far corners. An oak table is laden with stacked books and notes. Uh, in the very center of the room is a circle of glowing silver runes within which sit two young humans. Blonde-haired and pale-skinned, they are clearly twins, one male, one female, wearing dazzling white robes. The boy has his eyes closed and his face is skewed up in concentration, but the girl watches anybody enter the room inherently, and you can tell that they are uh, completely enclosed. You can feel a magical presence there, and you're able to identify it as a wall of force that is surrounding them. I have sunlight sensitivity, so I will immediately put my cloak over top of my head, just, like, shrieking. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it has the warmth and feel of sunlight, but isn't actually sunlight, so you're totally fine with that. Um, but when the once you guys kind of enter the room, um, uh, Nyla is the girl's name, and she introduces herself as Nyla and her brother Nalo. And they speak with you fairly freely, uh, just saying that basically they're the ward keepers here. That's about it. Just introduces themselves as is it. Anything weird going on around here? Uh, they besides say, bat people showing yeah, up and asking a lot of questions? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, besides you guys, um, they are basically isolated to this room. They, they never leave, so they don't really know a whole lot of what's going on. They're only somewhat aware of what's going on. Um... Uh, but Timpani seems to have gone mad. Um, uh, they were told not to drop the wards. They're stuck here, so they can feel that she's been doing something within the building, but they never leave the room, so they can only sense what she has been doing to some of the wards and the creatures that are passing through and all that kind of stuff. How long uh, have you been stuck here? Five years. Yeah. I, I turn to, uh, Squig, and I say, uh, they're almost like slaves. They they would he overhear you saying that, and they're like, "Oh no, no, we're happy to be here and serve. This is this is what we were, what we do." I read it. Okay. Right. See if they're telling the truth or that. <clears throat> yeah, go for it. Okay. So thirty. 
Yeah, uh, they're, she tells, she's telling the truth. They, this is what they can do. Uh, she explains further that they have an innate ability to set up extremely powerful barriers and wards, and that's why you guys couldn't teleport within the temple. You had to be outside of it because they're holding that teleportation um, in place, that ward against teleportation. Would you like some beef jerky? Uh, the wall of force is up, so they can't get through. But they thank you. Toss it. <laughs> I guess it would technically uh, it would technically be wall of ceiling. So he's gonna bounces off. But she does thank you for it, though. I will leave that there for you. It will last another three years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is very well made, Jerry. All right. Anything else interesting in this room? Not really. No. Um, they're basically just that. L- Whatever they need to physically survive is in this room, and then of course books and that kind of stuff on wards and whatnot. But um, other than that, there is nothing of note in this room. So you said you think that this uh, Tiffany went mad? Correct. Yes. What makes you think that? Uh, she's been normally nothing happens within here. Like this is literally just a temple for praying and stuff like that and research to happen, but nothing actually happens here. It's a very boring place. And all of a sudden she came in and boom! Crap went crazy. I also find it very odd that there is a temple to Agma at the ground like this. Culture, yeah. I don't know enough about religion to even question that. But from what I've heard them talking about, it's, this uh, agriculture does not seem like it's so very prevalent to me. <laughs> Let's go back upstairs and find well, another place to wander. And, and then again, from my point of view, if this is the god of knowledge, having a temple in a place that is damn near impossible to reach would be a great way to protect that knowledge. Almost like having it on another plane. So then what would you guys like to do? Go back upstairs. All right, you go back upstairs to the uh, main chapel-type area. It looks like there are uh, two doors, one to the left and one to the right. Always go left. All right, left is always right. To the left is another door, while a steep set of stairs heads off to the right. Directly in front of you, however, is an open doorway through which you can see a badly injured angelic figure lying within a glowing circle of magic light. Her leg is badly twisted and torn, and blood stains her robes, but she appears to still be alive. Hmm. Schnitzel? She uh, introduces herself as uh, Liari and explains that uh, uh, her and some of the others who worked at the temple uh, didn't approve of Timpani's plans, that Timpani has gone crazy. Uh, They refused to um, be exposed to, quote-unquote, the truth, as Timpani called it, and they were murdered. She managed to survive only because she cast the cell of protection, and and she is so badly injured that that she can't do anything about it, but they tried to corrupt her, but they eventually left because they figured it was more worth worth, and it was work to finish her off. Um, she is basically at the point of death right now. Like, if there was a, um, I would a schnitzel... Ask, I would ask if I can heal her, or ask her if I can... Yeah, she would accept any kind of healing. Okay. The I, snit, she would be a little bit wary of taking food from a glove-wearing grung. Why uh, do you think I was a glove, so it does not help me back? <laughs> she, she will take the schnitzel, and you're going to heal her as well? Yeah, does she have any, like, missing limbs or anything? No, just okay. a knee that's completely turned the wrong direction. So, so Bob, upon eating the schnitzel... Hmm? You she, go ahead and roll the dice. Um, well, no, she can expend hit die. Ah, and she has a crap ton of hit die, I believe. And she's fairly powerful. 
That's a good schnitzel. She expends enough to uh, all of her hit, I will call it. Sixteen of them. Yeah, so she stands back up and uh, uh, continues the conversation with you, so you don't have to expend that spell slot if you want to. I just had to use a schnitzel that I, I can remake on the short rest. I was going to use one of my first level spells that I can use for free now, but you, you, you can I guess still do that. If you no, want to. No, it's fine. She, she healed 16d8 plus, <clears throat> yeah, plus no, 5 for each d8. Plus 64, uh, plus 5. Oh, so it would actually replace the 64. Oh, okay, so then plus uh, one more on each of those 16. So, because uh, her con is plus four. So, okay, yeah, so she heals that amount. Um, she continues the conversation with you guys, and uh, uh, basically she remembers Tempany used to be a strong force for good in the world, um, that she was always out fighting in the far realms and has been working with uh, the faithful of Ogma for centuries to collect knowledge and information about the uh, foul aberrations the Hen Temple was used basically just to carry out research, uh, and the vast cavern um, here is where the barriers between the material plane and the far realms are incredibly thin, so this was like the best place for the temple. Tiffany and a bunch of Deva uh, accompanied her on a journey and returned safely, but something was was changed with them when they came back from the far realms, and everything's kind of gone haywire since. Uh, she's then been taking more Deva through, and they all come back chained. And that there are stairs that lead, the stairs that you saw lead up to an observation deck, which overlooks the rift into the far realms. Uh, Timpani and her team tethered a line to uh, between the te- uh, temple and a platform that they intended to push through the rift. So they hung like a gondola there to make it easier for people to get in and out of here. But her need for chronomancy is, is making everything crazy, and uh, she really fears for what's going on. I fear that she may have stared too deeply into the abyss. <laughs> yes. Tell me one thing about this Tiffany. Does she have immunity to cold damage? <laughs> <laughs> she uh, uh, looks at you kind of uh, funny, and she says she's incredibly strong, but she doesn't know okay. uh, what you mean by immunity to cold damage. Uh, um, does she usually wear like a sweater or like if you turn the AC down does she have to put on a coat Dang. like <laughs> <laughs> no it's all fantasy armor there's like there's like you know a hand sized piece of metal on each important place and that's about it it's fantasy armor let's get on it let's be honest here cold does nothing to this woman whoops drumming good save <laughs> but uh she offers to uh help you guys out since she is been healed, but she urges you guys to hurry uh, and do what you can to stop Timpani before it's too late. Do you know where she is? Uh, through the rift. I think oh, we know which side of this thing we're on. To the rift, then? Do we want to go straight to the rift, or do we want to go to the two angels and the cleric in the center? Then do what? Um... <laughs> Let's go straight. Yeah. They seem to be pretty devout followers of Timpani, so I don't. I don't think we'll probably have to deal with them either way. Only if we fail. Well, no. If we fail, then we'll never know. Only if we don't. Only if they don't know that we're going. Yeah, you guys don't even have to see them again. They're in that main hallway, and you guys went through the door, so the stairs are just right up next to that door. Do we want to go to the rift, or do we want to continue looking around this temple for a little while? I, I feel like we know where we like where we which side of the issue we we fall on for this. Stopping the evil darkness is uh, okay by me, but uh, it seems that she has taken measures that have rendered her 
Not nice. She says that there's still stuff within here. There may be, you know, survivors left that could help further. Um, and there's, yeah. uh, of course, like an armory here that uh, we could maybe resupply at it if you needed. Um, but but we must make haste. I mean, it's time is of the essence. I'll pull out one of the hourglass. <laughs> it's only a 20-foot circle, though, but ah, I know. I turned into Hamish for just a second there. <laughs> I was going to say. Make some. I, I would not be opposed to uh, some uh, quick sweeps of the area looking for anyone who may be sympathetic to our cause. The more the better. I only have the horn. Okay, so going to kind of look around a little bit. Yeah. All right. The door uh, immediately to the south, she says, is the dormitories, and uh, it's completely empty when you guys look. There's chests there, but it just has personal effects in them. Um, then you guys would have to go back out into that main chapel. Would you want to bring her with you, or would you have her wait there? Probably wait there. Okay. Since she was... Is she known to have fought against what's going on here? You would see that uh, she looks exactly like the three devas that were next to the priest out there, except for her eyes are not totally black. Yeah, let's leave her. Okay, so you leave her there, and you cross into the temple, and they give you funny looks, but they're not gonna do anything else. Uh, you go through the door on the right-hand side, then? The only other door? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You go through that door, and you enter into another hallway. The stairs go up to what you can only imagine is the observatory, or the observatory deck, or whatever that observation deck um, that was mentioned going this, up the stairs on the other side. There's a door directly across from you, as well as a door down towards kind of where the dormitories would have been in the other one. So do you want to go to the door directly in front of you or the door to the south? So we go through the dormitory door. All right, you go down to that door, and as you open it up, it doesn't actually appear to be a dormitory. The stone door uh, opens to reveal a short chamber. Another door lies directly in front of you and to the left of the west side stairs leading upwards. To your right is an open door that seems to lead to a library of sorts. As you all filter into the corridor, a strange alien voice enters your minds, speaking without any use of any sound. Outsiders... You do not serve the winged one? Question mark? <laughs> it says. Oh, which uh, winged one do you refer to? Uh, you guys kind of look around. You don't really see anything, but the voice says, the one that has gone mad. I was going to say, Shark, do you have wings? <laughs> <laughs> he is the commander, so... Yeah, sure, we do. <laughs> oh, no. no, I don't think we want to... No, no, no. No? I read into that. It's okay. It's all good. All right, so you guys just kind of... What was that, Braden? I was just saying we don't serve that winged one. Okay, yeah. And if you guys are just kind of, you know, talking regularly or whatever, he he makes it very clear that he doesn't like talking to quote-unquote lesser creatures, but uh, which you guys, that that really stuck-up attitude kind of rings something with you guys. So, anybody that wants to can uh, make a DC 15 Arcana check. I want to try. Three. Alright. Um, Arcana, Dave? I can do our, well, no, I'm not I'm not okay. proficient, so it's not going right. to do anything. Uh, you, can, you guys aren't just, sure? Try. Yeah, go ahead and try. That's 16. Okay, you are pretty sure that he's a mind flayer, um, which is really odd that he didn't just straight out attack you. But he, he talked about the winged one and asked if you guys, you know, making sure you didn't um, serve the winged one. Um, but 
Uh, he eventually identifies himself as being named Clath, and Clath uh, Tukarat, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Um, but he basically says that the uh, he's trying to to get through and stop Timpani from wiping out everything in the far realms. Uh, if they could find a way to disrupt the wards blocking the teleportation here, he could call in reinforcements, but he can't break the wards. And uh, they're, they're probably require constant attention, so there's got to be somebody keeping up, you know, those wards. Uh, uh, but if, if they can that. help, if they can help bring them down, he can he can summon aid to help take out Timpani. He just can't do it on his own. He's very badly damaged. Well, I am all for stopping Timpani and her uh, ill-conceived plan to destroy the things in this way. What's to stop you from then using that leverage to uh, wreak massive havoc on our world? Uh, he swears that they won't. That's the most he can do. Mm. He promised. Yeah, insight check on anybody that wants to. Um, I rolled a one, so that is a uh, twelve. Okay. I rolled a two, so that's a sixteen. Oh. You can look at that. That's an app twenty. Okay, you're to figure out like whether he means that and whether he would have any control over that at all. You don't think that he would have control over it, but that it's a big enough issue that he'll probably keep his word. Uh, it would, of course, be up to the elder brain of his colony. Um, that's the one who sent him. Wait, the elder what? The elder brain. Gross. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But. Uh, it, but the fact that he's asking for aid is a huge thing. Like, mine players don't do that kind of shit. They're super independent. So this is a big move. This is a major threat. So you're pretty sure that he is he is 100% sincere about he's not going to do anything to start attacking anybody the second this is over, but he doesn't necessarily have the authority to promise that. What's, what's the worst that can happen? We end up fighting an army of mine players? It'd be a good way to go out. We've already... I went down by chucking! <laughs> I don't know much about mind flayers, but aren't they usually really condensationing? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> See, Squig doesn't understand how the word condescension works. Yeah. I'm just that's that's what I got. I do just... I really want to subject those uh, nice-looking, nice-sounding uh, individuals down in the ward chamber to... The horrendous horrors of being, you know, noodle-brained. Think how much calamari you can have afterwards, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you just said the magic words. So, there are these two individuals that are <laughs> And uh, they have, uh, they're, they're maintaining the words around. We have met the people you are looking for. He says he'd be more than happy to accompany you guys. Uh, he just needs to heal first. He, he's very badly injured. Basically, yeah. what you're saying is we have a ward guy. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have to... We don't have to murder them. Uh, we we, uh, we just need to stop them from, from casting the wards. Are you going to heal him or do I offer him a schnitzel? Do you have, how much schnitzel do you have? Well, I have one and you have one, but... I'll give him my schnitzel. But as I say, on the next short rest, I can bow, make five bow, more. Bow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you offer him your schnitzel. He devours it and then heals himself. <laughs> so, okay, you guys heal him up and he uh, offers to assist you. 
You guys exit the library. There is another door on the right-hand side. Um, otherwise, you guys can try and cross that hallway uh, to get back into the basement. Guys, I, if one of you let me whip you, I gain advantage on intimidation checks for the next minute. Oh, God. Oh. If we go down and want these wards dropped, one of you can let me whip you. Oh, God. Look over to them. Plus 23 with advantage. Actually, you know, this this is totally metagaming, but since Bitterfang has regeneration, he would automatically heal the damage himself. Yeah, go ahead if you want to. So um, we're going to do a little... Lion tamer exercise. Yeah. Okay. Make you feel better about yourself by whipping a poor defenseless animal. <laughs> <laughs> the a poor baby defenseless animal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do we go down to um, Nala and Nala then? You want to do that first? That would require you to go back into the central chamber where the priest and the three devas were. Um, there's also a door to your right-hand side you haven't explored yet, and then, of course, the stairs going up to the observation deck. Let's check that other door out real quick. Yeah. All right. Before you is a blocky, windowless room with slabs of plain gray stone on the floor and ceiling. The walls, however, glitter and shine. Silver light dances off dozens, maybe hundreds of weapons that hang from racks and, and rest against plain wooden stands. The only other furniture is a blackened anvil, besides which sits a tall uh, figure seemingly made of gleaming steel. It appears hard at work, attending a sword which glows white-hot as the creature slowly moves its palm across the blade. As the door swings open, the metallic blacksmith looks you in the eye that glow like embers and asks, May I help you? So I've got this iron cooking pot, and I really feel like I can bring out the best flavors if I had one just like it that was copper. Okay, uh, he, he definitely inspects it a little bit, um, but says he's too busy at the moment to take on any other projects, as he is currently the armorer for the angels, and as you can clearly see, there's battles going on. It also works as a helmet. <laughs> he is definitely interested by that, but... Uh, I want a copper helmet that looks just like this pot. He says maybe at some point. So what you doing? Make me a new whip. Uh, once again, he says he would he would be happy to at some point, but right now he is entirely too busy. Who's the sword for? Uh, he motions around uh, the room and says, "All of these weapons are for the Deva and the other angels." We were ordered to deliver a copper helmet. To one of the Deva, shaped like this iron pot. Okay, he, he he says if you were ordered to do so, he will start on it as soon as he is able to, but it will be several days. And we were also told to deliver as many of the swords and armors to the Deva as we could carry. Uh, who would have ordered it? He asks. Um, Jimpen. Okay, go ahead and uh, whoever wants to roll a deception check. Whoever would say Timpani. Oh, you said Timothy. <laughs> well, I have okay. So I would have plus six. Wait, not yeah, plus six. So that's sixteen. He is definitely very non-believing of you. Can you at least fix the crack in my cooking pot? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, once again, he says no. He's got too much shit to do. Let's get out of here. This man is a rubbish blacksmith. Before you guys go, um, 
looking around, you guys would notice that there are... Uh, all the weapons here are like plus three magical weapons, like super, super amazing. Uh, and uh, five of them in particular are like on racks above a mantle kind of a thing. One is a very divine, holy long sword. One of them is a mace that glows with that same divine power along with a, a gorgeous longbow. Uh, another one appears to be just a handle. Uh, where a blade might be, but it looks like just a hilt, and then a great sword with an edge so fine you're you'd be afraid to to even get near it. Clearly, this man does not know weapons. There are no frying pans or ladles. I'm just <laughs> doing the tilted head like what you you do know. <laughs> All right, you guys, cooking knives. <laughs> Whip. <laughs> All right, you guys just kind of want to leave the room then? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. You guys back out of the Actually, room. Actually, I'll ask him, do you happen to have any good uh, daggers that are good for stabbing outsiders? Uh, he would say that all of his weapons here are good. Daggers included. Do you mind if I borrow one of your fancy daggers for stabbing mind flayers? Only high-ranking members are able to gain access to the... Uh, only high-ranking uh, members of the church are able to gain weapons like this. I am a ranking member of church. (laughs) That one. Yeah, he definitely knows that shit is is false. (laughs) I will trade your schnitzel for a dagger. (laughs) As an iron golem, he does not need it. Let's leave. Yeah, let's get out of here. I tried. All right, you guys leave. Do you want to uh, bring... The your illithid buddy downstairs with you and kind of pass try to pass by uh, the the uh, angels or do you want to have him wait or what do you want to have him do? I feel like bringing him through the great hall would not be a great idea. No, wait. Yeah, it's okay. unless he can turn himself invisible. Uh, he can, but uh, he's uh, worried that they'll be able to see through it. <laughs> Tell you what, we will try to deal with them ourselves and then. Uh, if we have too much trouble, we'll figure things out somehow. All right, so you guys uh, head just down the stairs, leave him, tell him to go up the stairs and wait at the top of the stairs kind of a thing by the observation deck? Yeah. Yes. All right, so you guys go downstairs, and uh, Nyla greets uh, you again. We have reason to believe that horrible things are happening, and that <laughs> we need to stop these horrible things from happening. Yeah, what he said. You need to drop the wood. Uh, they seem extremely uh, uh, distressed by that. Uh, give me either a persuasion, intimidation, deception. Give me some sort of check to convince them. I also say, uh, if you don't drop it, I'll whip you. And I whip the uh, thing. No, not like this. <laughs> okay, go ahead and roll. I feel like we're getting into a really touchy area now. Bit of pain takes ten points of damage. <laughs> well, he'll be back to full in two rounds, and that's a thirty-four intimidation. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Uh, Bitterfang makes Sorry, a bluff check to make it look like it hurt really bad. <laughs> no, the 31 yeah. is 10 points higher than you needed to convince them, and they are extremely afraid, and she's so worried that you're going to hurt her twin brother that she just, boom, drops the barrier. It's gone. So it is okay. soon, yeah, as soon as that happens, um, 
you you feel more than than anything else all these portals start opening up and mind flayers as you walk up the stairs just 25 mind flayers a whole bunch of quagoths um and then uh ulitherids or mind flayer uh Super high uh, ranking mind flare wizards, you know, join the fray and just decimate this angel and, or this priest and his three buddies uh, as they approach and go up to the observation deck. Okay, put the, put the barrier back up. <laughs> they immediately start. Are we sure this was a good idea? I am now not so sure. <laughs> but the consequences done? be damned, we have to go. All right, so as you guys, I'm assuming you're the only place left is the observation deck. You're going to head up that way? Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Before you is a wide expanse of gray flagstones, creating a flat deck teeming with angelic beings and robed clerics of every sort. <laughs> it, overlo- it overlooks a vast, near spherical cavern, hundreds of feet across and carved uh, out of blackened, warped stone. And the very center of the cavern is a flickering... Con- is a flickering, constantly shifting crack of sparkling purple energy that lends the entire space a sickly pallor. The thick a thick pair of ropes disappear into the crack, connecting it uh, to a heavy wooden frame mounted on the deck. Hanging from the ropes just beyond the frame is a wooden platform maybe 20 feet long and twi- 20 feet wide and twice as long. A stream of figures seen seem to be loading it up with small boxes and crates, causing it to sway rhythmically as they drop their cargo and head off. Further back onto the deck are a group of clerics a group of clerics work to pack the boxes, though from here you can't quite tell what with. On the plus side, they all seem to be far too busy to have noticed you yet. However, since you summoned all of these creatures uh, to come out of nowhere, these 50 enemies in front of you are all engaged in combat now with these mind flayers and quagoths and everything. And so this is an absolute area of chaos. They don't seem to be really noticing you guys standing at the top of the deck as all these creatures are attacking left and right. Uh, so, guys, if we, if we have a... If we have a minute to spare, I could I uh, I could cast a ninth level spell blizzard uh, and make a blizzard happen. It, it's what it sounds like. We have thirty minutes to spare. Ooh, I could cast a lot of blizzards. We've got three hourglasses that. Time stops um, outside the portal. Oh, that's right. Or time stops for you inside, so you guys mm-hmm. can. Yes. Take a short rest if you needed to. But right now, they don't even look like... I mean, this is an absolute hellish battlefield. Should I charge across it towards that rip where Timpani is obviously built? That being said, a short rest, I could I could create some more schnitzels and stews. Should I create a blizzard and just kind of get everyone down on HP? Because there, there's a, like 10 rounds of just... 2d6 here, 3d6 here. That being damage. said, if they're completely ignoring us, then it's kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So, if you so whatever do, you guys we need, do we need to assist the Shadow Realm individuals with this so that they can come with us into the Rift? It's whatever you guys think. Or do we just want to go for it? Go into the Rift. Do they look like they're handling themselves all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's a, right now it's a bit of a deadlock, but because there's so many. But uh, it looks like, yeah, the Mind Flayers are going to just wreck everything. I say we try and make our way into the Rift without... You're really engaging in the fight. Making our way downtown, going fast. 
Alright, so you guys want to fast forward, jump through the portal, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Alright. I'm gonna go ahead and take my action to meld with with Bitterfang. Okay. It's a, it's a one action, basically, like we talked about, I just kind of meld, yep, meld into, into it, so and I can, I can cast from inside. And Are you going to have everybody else kind of jump on the back and charge in like last time? Do yeah. we need more schnitzels before we go? I doubt it, because, I mean, we've got all of our arsenal currently, so whatever we do, we get in there, we hit a point where we need to take one of those rests where you can make the schnitzel, and okay, at that point, we will have used up the schnitzel we have. I have one schnitzel. Let's go. All right, let's go, Finn. <laughs> All right, you guys charge across to the platform and you kick it off by how whatever means you do, uh, probably with some sort of water magic to propel yourselves forward, and you launch into that rift. I will stand on the front, holding my ladle aloft in a glorious charge. Okay. And shout, Go forth, Ma of Justice! <laughs> <laughs> Once you get within a few feet of the portal, you feel a powerful tug, and it sucks you into it, and everything goes black. Oh, no. You wake up on a beach, or at least something that appears to be a beach. The sand beneath you is coal black, rather th- and uh, rather than water waves, a thick gray mist crashes upon this beach, with wisps boiling off into the air and forming drifting banks of fog. Now you guys see before you uh, roughly a hundred foot across, five foot, hundred foot tall, is a great black tower. Let's go. Alright. I'm going to go ahead and say for expediency's sake, since we are quickly approaching the two hour mark of this podcast, you are able to climb all the way to the top of the tower. You notice that everybody around you appears to have their minds broken. They are barely able to mumble about spirals and and eyes and, and broken time and all sorts of crazy things. And you get to the very top. Um, where you find Timpani herself. Uh, the fallen solar is incredibly tall with a body that radiates power and strength. Ragged white wings grow from her shoulders and she wears a torn robe trimmed with gold and purple. She chants at the center of a circle etched with hundreds of complex runes that flicker with ethereal light. Uh, so above her, suspended from the ceiling by thick changes, an aberration of terrifying proportions. This creature is maybe 50 foot tall and superficially resembles a gr- giant humanoid, though one that has had its flesh melted and warped. Instead of legs, it has a mass of tentacles, no, uh, no two of which are the same, and its arms end in long, delicate fingers with three or four joints in each and bare red flesh where nails should be. Its head is egg-shaped with a snake-like slit of a nose that sits above a lipless black hole of a mouth. Two huge eyes stare out from the head, but they are angled in vertically, and the inky pupils swivel independently. So you guys are able to tell that it is held in place by, a dim- by dimensional shackles, and that uh, Timpani is holding it here. Peter Fang, it's dinner time. <laughs> Did I have time to make schnitzel? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at this point. <laughs> We've got all of our base complement of spells and healing and... I'd be one of those hourglasses in case I need to mix it. That's a good call. How many of us... Who should have the hourglasses? If I'm going to be inside Bitterfang, I won't be able to, so... Yes, I know. Foul three of us will take him. Yep. Alright. Everybody ready then? Roll me initiative. 
Wait, as I, as we as as we do this, I'm going yes. to uh, reach into my bag of holding and pull up a bronze horn. Oh right! All right! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> All right! Everybody, roll me initiative, and then we'll roll to see how many of those crazy little bastards you summon. Eighteen. Okay. Anybody higher 22. than eighteen? Twenty-two. Okay. Sixteens. And knock two. Thirteen. Alright, let me roll for Tempid. Ten. However, comma, she has a plus six to Dex. So the turn order will go Chark, Hamish, the Angel, Squig, and Bitter uh, Squig and Knock Two. Alright. Right, give me a good roll for this, she has. <laughs> well, could have been the worse. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. One, two, nine, thirteen. Alright, thirteen of those little berserker bastards show up, and I will say they can all go on your turn. A pretty good roll. Not too shabby. So, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. I have to control thirteen berserkers. That's not a joke either. This thing's a hard hitting. Yes, they are. Albeit they don't have much health, so they'll probably only be hard hitting once, however common. They've got 67 hit points. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's good. Alright, so we start off with Chark. Timpany is right. standing in front of you. Uh, we can say however many feet you want it to be when combat starts. I'm not too particular. How far away from the edge of the tower? What's the top of the tower look like? Is it just like a sheer drop off the edge? No, completely enclosed. The top room of the tower, not the roof. Okay. How big is I will walk up to her and shout, uh, Stop what you're doing! And I'll whip at her. Yeah, it's not very good to hit. That is going to be a 15 to hit. 15 does not, no. Uh, it doesn't okay, say how big I'll the room is. Then I will use a shock command and attempt to stun her. So she needs to make a charisma saving throw. Alright, and uh, is that a magical effect? It is not. Oh, okay. Uh, Nat 20. Alright, she succeeds, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, we then move on to Hamish. Okay, so my first question is, how many of these guys can I realistically get surrounded surrounding her and hacking at her uh realistically do they have ranged weapons they have great axes okay uh i'll say you could get uh the nine of them around her um using weird angles and whatnot you could probably get about nine of them but then that would block off everybody else um so i will send i will look at the the four of them just kind of in the front and uh motion at, at her, send them in. Like, make sure you leave room for the beast. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, yeah, I'll send four of the berserkers out there. I'll send two of them to kind of flank uh, 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 our waterbender to kind of provide them some potential protection. And I'll keep a couple of them near me. And five more. I'll just tell them. Watch and wait for an opening. If any of your brothers fall, go take their place. We fight for the sake of fighting! <laughs> okay. Because they're chaotic. There you go. All right. And then, so that's them doing, so we'll go ahead and take care of them first. So four of them are going to be making great axe attacks against 
Okay, I'll just tell you right now so you guys have it. Uh, the AC is 21. Ooh. Oh, oh, crit! Starting off good. So that's 1d12 plus. Do you want me to use their base damage or go ahead and roll for them? Uh, just use base. All right, so that'll be 18 okay. that she'll take from that hit. Um, that'll be another hit for nine more. All so, right. So Micah rolled 20 and then a 19. Nice. Wow. And a 12. 17 will not hit, and that one will not hit. Two. Okay. All right, and then I will, should have done this beforehand, hmm. reach into my chef's pouch and pull out a small brown lump, look at it apprehensively. I really do wish that I did not have to do this. And I will munch down this morsel of cake. And as my stomach roils, <laughs> that will hit her. So uh, it will be 4d6 plus 5 bludgeoning damage. 17 points of bludgeoning damage. Right. And she has to make a DC 19 deck save. That was an at one. And so she will take uh, she will take a D6 acid damage. Okay. Actually, I did that the other way around. Um, how much bludgeoning damage did she take? Uh, let's see. That would have been seven. Uh, I mean, or what? What did so double that? Twelve. So she would have taken seven half down because I had the I had the modifier to the acid double bludgeoning. Gotcha. So that would be eleven bludgeoning and then whatever minus five for the. Gotcha. And magical. Um. It is actually magical. Okay, yep, so then it's totally fine. Yep. Because it's it's treated as magical for spell effect, or for my recipe effects. All right. So that was my action, that was my bonus action. As my standard action, I'm going to start whipping some magical chef's knives at her. All right, go ahead. So first one will hit six points of magical slashing damage. Okay. And that is a 22 to hit. Yes. For... Another seven points of magical slashing damage. All right. She is going to, at the end of your turn, then use one of her legendary actions. So everybody within a 10-foot radius needs to make a DC 23 dexterity saving throw. Woohoo! Eddie. 24 plus one for my robe of stars. Actually, no, the robe... What's the DC on that again? 23. None of the berserkers make it. Okay. On a fail, uh, you take 18 points of psychic damage and 12 points of necrotic damage. On a save, you take half that. And that was pretty much everybody? Everybody in 10 foot. So 18 and what? Uh, 18 and 12 on a fail. 18, 9 and 6. All right. And then it is on to her turn. So she is going to go ahead and... Whoa! I could have had the Berserkers attack recklessly. Yeah, next time. If they survive. Yeah, that's true. Alright, she's going to go ahead and just... uh, See, there's just Berserkers around her. So, what's their AC? Not enough. Okay. Uh, She'll make two great sword attacks. Yeah, both will hit. Because um, it's plus 15 to hit. Yeah, you, you, you have just don't roll a one. Okay. Uh, and do you want me to roll damage? I don't know how much they have. Um, they all have 37 hit points left. I kill them. Okay. So uh, I kill two of them outright then. All right, so Damn. two of them survive. Damn. You fought well, my brother. You're not exactly my brother, but you fought well. <laughs> all right, we then move on to Squeak and Bitterfang. 
Um, I have a question about if I'm using... I don't think the creators of this probably could have imagined the situation. Um, Normally, I would, like, lean down from the saddle and hand... Bitterfang, one of the treats. Mm-hmm. Since I am melded with Bitterfang, but I mean, it says that I can still do everything I could normally do. I'll say I'm just still. from within. So, like, I don't know if we said that I'm actually feeding it to him, or you, you stick it straight into his stomach. Just literally, like, <laughs> I'm just like, so, I, or I can say that I, I imbue it, but because we're melded, yeah. he gets the. I could choose he or I get the effect. Yeah, as long as you're okay with that. That's totally. Um, so, I'm gonna go ahead and start off with the veggie stew. And uh, so having a chance to have seen what's going on, I was originally going to say radiant fire damage for sure, but there's been mention of some necrotic. We're taking psychic, necrotic, and slashing damage. Yep. Uh, from within the beast, I consume a, a veggie stew, gaining resistance to necrotic damage, psychic damage, and fire damage. And that is done as a bonus action. I will cast, do I want to start with fire shield or haste? Let's start with haste. <clears throat> um, so that grants me another action that I can use an item. Uh, I will use one of my robe, one of my stars from my robe, of, okay. uh, robe of stars, which is an item that I didn't mention during during our uh, our summary for the beginning. Uh, my magic item that I was able to receive was a robe of stars. I will remove one and perform a magic missile at five fifth level. I just ripped my book. Oh no. The sign of a book when it gets good use, right? So 3, 7, 9, 13, 20. 20? Okay. Bitterfang will easily close the distance with a 60-foot movement speed. For sure. So, roof, uh, jumping in there. <laughs> now the question, do we want to try to eat an angel? You've already yeah. eaten a demon. <laughs> Brayden said, yeah. Yep. Okay, and we had an issue last time where... It, the creature needs to be grappled. So since I'm hasted, I've got two attacks to start and a bonus attack. Um, I'm going to start off by trying to grapple. Okay. So seven and... Oh, that's right. We could do the thing. So no, 17 for the grapple effect uh, attempt will fail. Okay. 17. Acumen. Oh, no, it, it was, it's, it's, it's uh, contested. Oh, it's okay. contested. Yeah, I thought that Did was you to Before you even roll, do you want to acumen that, Brayden? I will acumen that plus six. Okay. And that was 17 plus 8, so 26. Okay, so probably probably going to contest and win. Alright, so two attacks, though. Okay. Uh, both 14s, which will be 25s to hit. Both will hit. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say that even though technically I'm within 5 feet, the fact that I'm inside probably don't get... But we have some more, uh, some more dudes. We saw some berserkers within. There five are feet all. Of the uh, there are two berserkers still within five feet. Okay, cool. So, which means that uh, yeah. tactics will work. So I'll roll again for this one. Uh, five again for this one. Just looking for a possible crit. That's all. Uh, so two successes. Damage is two d six plus two d four plus eleven plus ten twenty for the first attack. Cat. And all is either elemental or magic damage. And six, eight, eleven, um, twenty-one. Oh, and I'm going to mark that my AC is actually twenty-one also. Since we're hasted. And he's going to heal. Up to one thirty-six. 
the start of the turn. Any chance we could bring those guys with us for the extra healing from last time? <laughs> I know, right? If only. Okay. Yeah, that's done. All right. Uh, she's going to go ahead and take a legendary action then and teleport across the room. Uh, I'm gonna. It says 120 feet, so uh, I'm assuming the room is probably 60 foot radius or something like that. So I'm going to teleport uh, 60 feet um, to the back wall. All right, knock two. Okay. Um, I'm going to use my spell Geyser. So basically a jet of water just shoots out of the ground right underneath her. And um, I want to read the specific wording of this. So all creatures and objects that aren't somehow anchored to the ground are pushed upward and reach the top of the area. Um, They can make a deck saving throw to grab onto a fixed object if they can reach it to avoid being pushed upwards. However, if some solid object is encountered, uh, they strike it just as they would during a falling action. So they would take fall damage equal to the distance that they were geysered up. That's it. All right. they fell upward. Yes. Uh, let me see. I would like to introduce you to a monk that I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ceiling stretches 50 foot high, um, but the creature that she is standing uh, next to now is uh, 50 foot tall. So I'm assuming that she's right there. So she'll go ahead and try and grab onto the creature as um, she gets pushed upward. So what's the save on it? Uh, deck save. DC 21. Oh, uh, that is a 20. One point off. Okay. So she rockets into the air and slams into it 50 feet up. So she'll take 5d6. Thank you. I was just going to look that up. So that is 15 points of falling damage. And then the geyser is quickly going to stop once again, and she's going to fall back down to the ground. (laughs) She spreads her wings, yeah, and she's able to fly. I figured. Okay. And then um, I'm also, as a bonus action, going to pop my title conduit and get the nice bonuses to AC and whatnot that that brings. All right. Um, let's see here. She is going to go ahead and... Oh, no, she's not going to take a legendary action yet. So, uh, Chark, it is your turn. Well, then, there's not much I can do here. I will use my bonus action... Which one of you, any one of you, would like to use a reaction to fire a cantrip or anything at her? I don't, I'm not in range. I think Dave's got the, the better cantrips. Yeah, he really does. Two of us. Yeah. Would I you can, like to do that? Yeah. I can do that. Is that just any cantrip or? Yeah, any cantrip you'd like. Okay. Uh, let me roll something real quick. Ah, uh, yeah. So it has a plus five to hit. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna use. Um, then I'm going to use Chill Touch, which is ranged attack. Okay. Uh, and what was it? Plus five, the attack roll? Yep. Okay. So it was a 10 plus 13, so 23 plus five, 28 to hit. Yep. Okay. And then she will take 4d8 cold damage, which is uh, 15. 23 points of cold. Okay. That is significant. And then I will hold my action to whip her should she come within 10 feet of me. Alright. Hammett, it is your turn. <clears throat> um, first of all, I will get uh, two of my reserve berserkers into position and I guess they'll, I'll have them move towards her because I can't actually get all the way to her. So I'll have them move their full 30 feet. 
Okay. To get up towards her, and I will... You want to have them dash or anything like that? Mm, no. Because I, I, I want... Uh, just in case she does something ridiculous. Okay. Um, and then I am going to use my bonus action to eat my own bit of uh, uh, veggie medley stew to gain resistance to psychic slashing, slashing and necrotic damage. And then as a standard action, I don't have any other things I can do right now. All right. I will actually pull out my frying, my, my, my rather large pan to give me a plus two to AC while I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Alright, since nobody is within ten feet of her, she can't do that maddening burst effect, um, so it starts her round without her using a legendary action. She pulls a key from her belt and begins unlocking this elder being, this creature that is hung up on the wall, starts uh, unlocking its bindings and says, if I have to become a monster to save the world, I will! Amazay lied to you! The universe hates paradoxes. All of you will be erased from time completely. Do you not understand that? By aiding him, you will completely wink out of existence. Your descendants will be gone. Nobody will ever know you ever existed. Stop what you're doing and aid me! Well, considering that I've already cooked a child in my life, it's probably for the best. <laughs> But that was going to be a statue! So she screeches that out, and you can see her hands begin to glow as she slowly begins reaching out for this elder being's chest after she has uh, unlocked these uh, these shackles holding it in place, and it looks like it is going to try to envelop her. Okay, we need to, uh, we need, we need to start attacking. <laughs> we need to prevent this from happening, if, if at all possible. Squig and Bitterfang, it is your turn. Is she still flying? Uh, no, she, she would be on the ground. Okay, how far away? You said that she went all the way to the wall? 60 feet. 60 feet. 60 feet. Well, that's convenient. We have exactly that much movement. One of my evolution, the breath attack, is a 5 foot by 60 foot line that offers a dex save or takes 66 with acid damage. So let's go ahead. Okay, so we want to stop her. Do I want to use my action to do that, or do I want to use my action to give... uh, Bitter Fang, the bonus with a thick and juicy steak. Ooh, that's a bonus action to feed him. Oh, that's true. Okay, so yeah, let's do that. Bonus action. We're gonna feed the thick and juicy steak to Bitter Fang. So I'll feed that to him. So he'll get plus five to strength checks and his athletics. Um, so my action, I'm gonna throw on fire shield on the two of us. Okay. So you might actually be able to uh, swallow her. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, actually, what size is she? Is she... She is large. Okay, yeah, so I don't even need to... to no, go, and technically to you would have advantage because you're a size larger than her for grappling. Oh, that's where that needed to be. Okay. I have my, my haste action that I can use an item. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw a star at her again. Okay. That's my, my second star. All right. 16. And then he will barrel in at 60 feet per round. Well, more than that. Uh, so he'll come flying in, and he'll start off by making the grapple check. Which he'll have advantage on because he's bigger. He will have advantage. Uh, so that's going to be a 15 plus my... plus 10 plus the 5 from the Thick and Juice yes. for a grand total of 30. I rolled a 12. A total of 12. Alright, so... Oh, wow. 
We are now grappling, and we are Small big. Small <laughs> so, um, as the rules state for Swallow, the Avatar makes one bite attack against a creature one size smaller than itself that it is grappling if the attack hits. So, now, 17. I'll use that, Joe. Okay, yeah, let's see if we can get him. All right, so then that hits. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Well then, I swallow an angel. <laughs> we kind of know where this one's going. All right, so um, she has been swallowed. Uh, she's going to go ahead and then use a legendary action. So I need a DC 23 dexterity saving throw as she emits psychic energy. <laughs> hey, psychic. Now, that brings up a question. How, I guess, do I make a save for both of us? Oh, man. I think since you're still two independent beings with your own... um, Independent minds? Yes, I think it's two. Okay. Because you can both still take damage. But it was dexterity, right? Correct. All right, so that is going to be plus ten. And then I get an extra one because the rope stars. So eleven for me, ten for him. Uh, He gets twenty-four, I get fifteen. Okay, uh, then on a failed save, um, which DC was 23, on a failed save you take 14 Psychic and 13 Necrotic. Uh, half of that would be 7 and 6. I'll use my reaction to split that with him. Um, so, ouch. That hurt. Okay, uh, then on to knock 2, because that was just a legendary action. Yep. So, the angel has been swallowed, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I can't do much to... Well, how did it look before it went into the stone? Well, below bloody. So yeah. she looked pretty rough. Okay. You think this is... I've got a plan. I know. I'm just wondering, what is Bob going to do to make me regret eating the angel? Okay, so I have a spell. Um, the range is 90 feet, and it works by freezing the air around a creature. She has total cover. Total yep. cover? Yep. And anything that you could do to her, you'd probably be doing to me because I'm also inside the beast. Would not be great. So, what I'm going to do then is... interesting thing. Can <laughs> you stabby, stabby, stabby? I don't think I can... That's weird. It's, it's a weird concept know, right? that I'm technically... I'm in there somewhere. I'm. It's like I'm piloting a Jaeger. So, <laughs> He's piloting a kaiju. Exactly. So how... It's true. How low are you on health right now? Um, I, did, I haven't taken much. Um, okay. I mean, we're both down a little bit of our overall totals. Yeah, right now, Mike, I like to think that you're doing that whole Rocky movie scene where you're inside and, like, she's in the stomach and you're just, like, eating it like a side of beef. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what I what I want to do then. I guess I'll cast um, Aura of Healing, which lets me uh, heal people as a bonus action. So, well, 2d6, I can heal two people per turn. Anyone need 2d6? I think Mike's the only one that's actually taking damage because of all oh, the berserkers. We got a, got a couple of berserkers that could use some healing. Does he need to be able to see me for that to happen? I need to be within 30 feet. Okay. I'll allow it. This is a really gray area because yeah. you're technically merged with it, but I'd you're say that not. It's like for beneficial effects, it's kind of like if yeah. you don't need to make an attack roll, like if you touched him, you could get... Since, since I hit you both with that attack, the psychic attack, I'll say that you can also benefit from healing. That's a good call. Okay. So, 
Those are double ones. Is there okay. a is there a, an, an yeah, modifier two, to that? Yeah, it'd be plus my um, spell modifier, so plus five. So, so seven, seven, seven points of healing. Every little bit helps. Exactly. Do you, do you want one for one of your uh, berserkers or? They are technically expendable. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. The troops will revolt. That's why I said it out of character. <laughs> Meta. Okay. All right. I mean, honestly, if you do not worry about healing them, they are expendable. I mean, honestly, if you want to try to heal them, <laughs> great. If not, they've done damage on at least, which is better than the last thing I summoned. Yeah, that'll be fine. All right. Um, all of a sudden, as you're going all rocky on this side of stomach, um, you you go to land a punch, and all of a sudden, there's nothing there, and you guys see her appear. Via teleport outside of the beast. Is she now within 10 feet of me? Oh shit, she would be, yep. Ah! Aha! Uh-huh. Top attack! <laughs> my attack of opportunity. Oh, my attack, sorry. Yeah, your held action. Uh, that is going to be a 22 to hit. Just hits by one. Alright. Is she wielding her greatsword? Uh, she would be, yes. I forgo damage, and I would like her to make a DC 19 strength saving throw. Oh shit! Uh, that'll I rolled an eight, an 18 plus eight. Okay, never mind. All right. Um, let's see. On to Chark. It's your turn again. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh, um, oh wait, no. You pulled yourself out of initiative to hold your action, so you'll be after knock two now. Okay. My bad. Hammett, it is your turn. So how far away from her am I now? Uh, she teleported 60 feet, but then jumped out of the, the creature, uh, out of uh, Bitterfang, and he's 15 by 15 or 10 by 10 now? 15 by 15. 15 by 15, so she would now be like 45 feet um, from where she originally was. So she's about 15 feet away from me and my gang of berserkers. Yep. So I'm going to have the berserkers attack her. Well, actually, first things first. I am going to use a couple of my actions <laughs> to do this right. Um, we are going to start with throwing some flower bomb. That is not going to hit. That is a 12 plus 4 is 16 to hit, so that won't hit. Um, extra attack feature, I'll throw another... Actually, I'm going to try to throw some sugar syrup. That will not hit. <laughs> I had it ready. That's awesome. <laughs> and um, the four berserkers standing in front of me are going to charge forth, and they're going to attack recklessly, so they'll all get advantage awesome, awesome. on their attacks. Advantage. Yeah. So, uh, berserker number one. Uh, that is a 16 to hit, will not. Need a 21. Hey! Hey, that's a crit. Alright. So that'll deal 18 points of damage to her. Okay. So that's two. Number three is another crit for another 18 points of damage. Holy crap. Well done, Micah. Mike is verifying these for me, too, by the way. And the final one is only an 18 to hit. Not quite, but she's looking really bad for two free at this point. Berserkers, that's pretty good damage. And then I will, as a bonus action, I'm going to have to uh, wait until my next turn, and then I might start cooking again. All right. Uh, she, it is now her turn. 
Um, she has to get by you to get to the uh, Uzi what's it? So to the great demon. So she's gonna attack you twice as she runs by. Um, Will she be taking attacks of opportunity? Oh shit! Running? Yeah, she would be taking attacks of opportunity from everybody. So go ahead and oh, uh, yeah. roll those, and we'll see where she's at because it's slow enough. Oh Jesus! They still have advantage because they're attacking recklessly. Yes, they do. Say, yeah. Does that does that last outside of their turn? It's it says um, at the start of its turn, a berserker can gain advantage on all melee weapon attack rolls during that turn. Yep. So it's is that until so yeah until their next okay. turn well, actually, they have no, advantage. Turn is when you're activating. Round is until you act again. Yeah, it's until you act again. Turn lasts for the full. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. My um, my reaction is reset after using after holding that. A, it's not doesn't reset till my turn now. At the end, after not to. Okay. Is that right? Uh, yeah, you would go after your turn, but you you're held at I I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. I don't know um exactly where it stands. So I'll rule it is uh if you want to take an attack of opportunity, I believe you can. But I'm not 100% on that. But I'll rule it as okay for this one if you want to. Uh, 19 will not hit. Uh, 15 will not hit. Okay. That's 22. That's 22. And okay. train hit. We'll deal train. 9 points of damage. All right. And last one, 19 will not hit. Close. All right, Braden, what did you get on your uh, attack? Uh, I'll, I'll say I don't have my reaction until my turn. I'll hold okay. it. Not a problem then. Uh, then it is going to run up to uh, you, fine sir. Um, Bitterfang and going to attack twice. Uh, that is a 28 and a more than 28. Yep. So both will hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 27 points of slashing damage as well as 21 points of psychic damage from that. And. Oh, God. An additional. Uh, 35 uh, points of psychic damage. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and that was just attack number one. Um, so attack she, number she, two. She did strength plus psychic plus psychic? Yeah. Uh, corrupted weapons. Tiffany's weapons are magical and she hits with any weapon. The weapon damage deals an additional 8d8 psychic, including in the attack. And then... Um, oh, included in the attack. Here it says... Yeah, no, here it says an extra 88 psychic damage, but then in the Greatsword it says 68 psychic damage. Um, but it's 27, so average roll would be uh, 4, 8, 12, 16, 24, uh, 28. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, um, scratch that, let me re-roll the psychic damage. I'm just going to do the 68. I didn't recognize that typo. Um, so uh, let me re-roll. Uh, did you record those separately? Uh, I had we had strength twenty-seven. Or, sorry, okay, slashing, slashing twenty-seven, 20. and then psychic. The first one was twenty-one. Yep, we'll keep the twenty-one. Okay. Okay, and then the second attack uh, hits you, um, and that is an additional uh, nineteen plus uh, uh, eight, so that is twenty-eight points of psychic damage, th- uh, slashing damage there. And then an additional 24 points of psychic damage. Okay, so, um, unassailable, we are resistant to slashing, and from the veggie, we are resistant to this, to psychic. Okay, so, me, myself, I will use my reaction, Squig will, because he can't take, really can't take an attack. Yeah. Uh, he will have the damage between them for 51. Also, Mike, don't forget, I gave you that crimper life. Yes. 
Just kind of like been waiting for the. Now, yep. was, was that a. The creme brulee is, an, is a bonus action. It's right? a reaction. It's a reaction to when you do damage. Yep. Okay. I was thinking about using that for me with the breath attack. I was just like I said, do, do what you need. Well, actually, you'd, you'd almost have to because you can't feed it. You can't feed it. You could not feed the creme brulee to Bitter Fang as a reaction because he would be the one. Yeah. yeah. All right, but it is now your turn, Squid and Bitter Fang. Okay. Is it our turn, or did we get a tax of opportunity as she ran? No, past? because she was within five feet of you, and so okay. she has to exit your range to do that. But okay. she is now right exactly in front of your mom where she was when you swallowed. All right. So. Marking my rounds for haste and my veggie resistances. Eat your veggies, kids. Very important to be resistant to necrotic psychic fire damage. Um, starting off, Fang is going to heal up to 106. Okay, so... Um, can I point for my breath weapon? Can I point for there to be a line? Yep, you can hit her, no problem. Um, or do I want to throw another spell? Uh, actually... Who else is taking damage? You got anybody else got damage? I have not no, taken any berserkers. Just berserkers. Hmm. And they seem to be having a great time. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. They're, they're, they're just getting into it. Yeah, I don't even know that I need to cast a spell. Like, I I, I picked up my fifth level spell is uh, Mass Cure Wounds, um, which would help both of us out a little bit. But since we've kind of got Dave to help heal a little bit, I feel like... I can just go ahead and contribute to damage, so I'll use my breath weapon to start. It's 66, and it'll be... I like to think um, he opens one of his mouths and your head pops I out. I literally got a poke out like that. It's awesome. So... Dex save or anything? Uh, Dex of 19. Save. That was a 2 plus 8. Or plus 6, so fails. Seven, eight, nine. So nineteen acid damage. Ouch! Belch. <laughs> That's me. And then I have an action, uh, a bonus action. I can use an item. I'll throw another star for five d four plus five. Danke, Micah. Uh, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, thirteen. Force your, damage. Your scars fire into her body, and she dissipates. Totally dead. At this point, the Mind Flayers have caught up with your group and jump up the stairs and continue to attack the Elder Being. You guys are able to, after the Elder Being is completely slain, look out over all of the material plane from the portal. You see the ocean that stretches out before you, and in the distance you see the indistinct shores of a continent. Soon after just watching this, you start to feel your strength drain away from your body and everything around you begins to slowly fade. Though you may be disappearing forever, you at least know the world has been saved. We got reviews to do, so we'll go ahead and do reviews before we say goodbye. So go ahead and start with Brayden. Oh man. Well, that was intense. Uh, I'm not sure whether we chose the right decision of releasing Mind Flayers throughout that temple, but, you know, we're gone now anyway. We don't need to live with the consequences, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed playing as the commander class. Um, the commands that you can issue are a lot of fun to use, and I found them constantly being just a really good use of uh, my bonus action on my turn, or even... Uh, in the chances where I had to use an action to use one. Um, they provide a very amount of different effects that uh, when teamed with some strategy 
between my other effects and some of my allies' effects uh, create some awesome sort of tactics that you can use with your friends while you're playing. Uh, a lot of things that could be touched on just minorly, and I have been talking with Lydia over the past couple of weeks whilst we have been playing uh, my Bone Whip. And as we uh, sort of changed it around midway through when we were battling on the Orb of Magic or whatever exactly that was, the... Maze um, Engine? That's the one. Um, we noted that the Bone Whip did not deal any magical damage whatsoever, and you were pretty much limited to only using that weapon throughout the entire uh, entirety of your levels as a commander because all of your commands were determined... Um, when they needed to be um, used with the Bone Whip as a kind of focus, and a lot of your class abilities were focused around the use of this whip. Uh, so she accepted my critique there and has now uh, detailed that the Bone Whip now, the additional damage dice now actually deal psychic damage instead of uh, the regular damage. So it's more like you're demoralizing your enemy with each additional blow instead of actually uh, dealing. Uh, more amount of damage to them. Um, and I also noted to her that the extra accumulative dice were a bit uh, too easy to get rid of, and to which she has made it so if I'm, say, I'm attacking one enemy, I can say we're attacking the solar at the end there, I can make a whip attack. If I miss my whip attack, my additional dice don't reset so long as I use one of my slaver commands towards them, sort of still focusing on uh, demoralizing them with my uh, various commands as well. And that will actually keep your damage dice running for the next round. And as well, uh, with each successive attack after ninth level, it increases to additional 2d8 uh, increase per round instead of 1d8 per which yeah. is awesome, yeah. So it'll be a lot more of an effective um, sort of damage dealer. And as well, uh, how we played it out where I was able to put the plus two whip as my bone whip and sort of trade it out for that, she has made a note that you can indeed do that with any whip as well, sort of as a ritual to make one any whip, magical or non-magical, your bone whip. Um... <laughs> Yeah, a few other changes have been made, but otherwise I love playing the class. I enjoyed the sort of tactical elements of it, and I think it's a great fit for any uh, campaign setting. It's a good... there's many different ways to play it. Uh, the different doctrines all sort of go down different paths. There's one where you're like a, a sort of a holy commander, one where you're a tyrant, like what I was. There's one where you're like a, um, a war war conqueror kind of uh, character, or a sea captain, there's all sorts of different um, archetypes and they're awesome. Each of them provide different sort of play styles and uh, strategy that can be used uh, in your games. One of my games I'm currently DMing for now, one of the notable NPCs has actually started sort of learning some uh, levels in Commander as a way to sort of boost his allies. Uh, this is after I've played this class. Um, yeah, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I'm really appreciative of all the work you do. Um, you know, getting the word out about different homebrew 
uh, content out there and really putting the spotlight on it. I really appreciate that. Before it's you... nice meeting you, uh, Mike and Dave, for the first time, and Mike, it was always a pleasure playing with you, my friend. And yeah, Bob, of course, sure. you're yep. a legend. Before you quick, make sure to tell you tell everybody who made the race of that character. Oh, yeah, there was some guy named Brayden. He's uh, <laughs> pretty cool. Um, that was in the first iteration of the Scroll of Strange Races, which is up on the DMs Guild right now. It is a pay-what-you-want product. It is put out by me, so uh, go on to the DMs Guild and put B5 in the search tab, the, num- the letter B and the number 5, and my product should come up there, and you can get them all for free if you so choose. Uh, we got another project we're working on now, the second iteration of the Scroll of Strange Races, which may or may not be up by the time that this releases. If not, uh, just hang on a bit more. We're working with our artists now to uh, get the best possible possible imagery for the document and really make it look uh, official and awesome. So, yeah, guys, thank you so much again. I uh, appreciate you having me on, and I hope to play with you all again soon. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Great to meet you, man. Same. Likewise. Alright, so it's been an absolute blast getting to play uh, Noctu, the human waterbender. Uh, all the way through, it's really been a versatile class, it's been a powerful class, it's one that fits very well inside the classical D&D setting, but um, it also... I imagine would work very well if you're, you know, a DM and you're trying to craft maybe, you know, an avatar-themed setting that you want to have this all take place in. The author, uh, Reddit username Garator, actually has a class out for airbenders, for earthbenders, for waterbenders, for firebenders, and... You know, you think maybe they're not going to be so fleshed out because there's so many classes or they're all going to be alike, but really each of these is a unique specimen. They've got their own abilities, they've got their own uh, spell lists if they, you know, use spells as their main abilities. Uh, and the Waterbender, which I have the most experience in, I can tell you, is a wonderful class to play. It, the spell list for it uh, is extremely versatile you've got some powerful stuff going on even from from fourth level even i had really workable stuff really versatile stuff and i really had a blast playing with it i had a blast playing with such a great party i really enjoyed the um you know the synergy i don't really i don't really know what that word means but it sounds right you know uh um yeah, I it, we had some we had some good stuff going on. I felt like we had some good combinations of abilities and attacks and support buffs and. By the way, that's what synergy is. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. I thought the balance was really good. I mean, it it, it wasn't completely intended to be played in um, standard D&D universe. Uh, it, says, it says it's a class for a game set in the Avatar universe, but in my experience, it works just fine. Uh, in the beginning, the whole uh, spell point system, uh, you use chi instead, uh, instead of having spell slots or anything like that. And 
you know, up through level 12, maybe, you just have a ton of chi, and you can pretty much um, send out spells just like that. But once you get up to, you know, your 6th level spell slots, your 7th level spell slots, it becomes a little bit harder. Um, Those spells become a little bit more precious to use. You don't get as many of them. So I really think that ends up balancing things out. So as far as balance, I think this is absolutely a class that works. I think it's got some good potential as far as interacting with other classes in your party. And yeah, that's all I have to say. I really like it. Well, the Idolist summoning your own monstrous uh, bestial or elemental avatar to evolve and grow with you and wreak havoc across the plains. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I Thanks again, Bob, for bringing this up to me. I would have never even known that it existed because I'd never seen it before. Um, typically, the first thing we discuss is balance. Do I feel that this is balance? Uh, we'd already kind of gone over some things about in this particular class, you are listed as being allowed to choose a, a beast, monstro- not a monstrosity, yes, monstrosity, or an elemental of one half challenge rating or less. Um, rangers are stuck with a quarter or less, so I kind of, I don't so much question, I'm, I'm kind of interested where the choice was to increase that by one half. Um, I know in some cases there's a size restriction. Me going with the warg, I think a lot of his damage came from the fact that I was able to take a large creature. It has more hit points than your typical uh, small beast that would be a companion. Um, biggest questions that we had throughout play was, are the attacks by the avatar magical? Uh, Bob and I decided that because it is a kind of a magically summoned creature that they would in fact be, it's not listed in the description, so uh, if we get this information to the creator, which we need to add that to the site, um, because it's not listed on the actual document, uh, was that intentional? Do you want it to be magical? Do you think that it should not be magical? We discussed the fact that having the beast's uh, abilities not be magical could be an offset for the fact that the beast itself could become so physically powerful that there needs to be some offset. Uh, But if that's the case... The Idolist by himself, as a, quote, mage, does not really have the output to make up for that loss. So it's kind of an interesting concept to to mull over. Um, And then also, what was brought up is, what did you refer to them as? Squire classes, Bob. Yeah, uh, are you playing your avatar more than yourself? Are you running two full characters (laughs) instead of one? Does that affect balance because there are two of you instead of one, so on and so forth? Yeah, and in this case, I feel like the avatar becomes the character really in combat, and the idolist becomes the support. Because uh, I mean, I would just send Bitterfang straight in, and literally all Squig did was either heal or cast haste, and throw a couple of spells here and there. But he didn't really have to strategize a lot. It was basically let the dog do the work. Um, it does kind of feel like you're running two characters because when you do get higher powers, more spells, especially allowing to put haste on both of us allowed me so many things that I felt like my turns did take a little longer than they should have and it was just a lot to go on. Um, but I do feel like the Avatar mechanically is the character and the Idolist from a thematic and role-playing standpoint is the character. Um, yeah. As far as the abilities, like I love 
what he did for the mutations, the the evolutions, and the special attacks and whatnot. Uh, one idea that I did come up with, I went with tank slash damage route, which is kind of typically what I do, I guess, in these campaigns. Um, there are a lot of options for you to create an avatar that is, like, purely, like, support and control. Like, I love the idea of what I... My second choice for this would have been uh, a cockatrice. A flying, uh, yeah. poisoning, and just take some of these different abilities to just web, like have it constantly shooting. Web. And at lower levels, just the control of a battlefield would be amazing. Uh, so yeah, but I thank the creator. We'll find out who that is. We'll post it. I loved it. Um, it was just such a blast, and to eat an angel and a demon was great. <laughs> um, I think that's really all that I have to say about it. Um, <clears throat> And also, if anybody's interested, I will go ahead and get Squig's backstory. We mentioned how Brayden wanted to know more about the backstory as where he came from and how him having been a slave would have reacted with uh, Brayden having been a slaver. Had this been a full campaign, I would have loved to have actually gone through that. I think we could have had some really good moments. Uh, but I will actually type that up. It'll probably be a few pages. But if anybody's interested in a read to find out where Squig, what makes Squig work, you know, what motivates him, I'll do that. Awesome. And again, thanks, Bob, for having me. It was a great time. <clears throat> My friends, it has been a wonderful ride. And as any great meal, it ended with a delicious dessert of level 20 nonsense. And I have uh, no regrets whatsoever. The chef class was probably the single most fun support class I've ever played. I may have probably had as much, if not more, fun playing the uh, the White Mage during our Final Fantasy <laughs> campaign, but that was more based on the character itself. The actual support abilities that the chef has really make it a very, very usable class. In any and anything other than you know super high level cam or like high magic settings, you have just about any kind of support you need to make sure that your party is operating at peak performance. Um, you know, if you have a super healer like our waterbender, I could have eased up on some of my healing stuff and gone with more of the. You know, take a bonus to your ability checks, take a bonus to this, you know, here, add to your damage, you know. There is a recipe for everything that you would want to do in this class, and I really think that uh, Messy6 did a wonderful job not only coming up with a really fun, unique, interesting support class, which there are so few of, as, as this is something I've mentioned before, even in the very first podcast when I played the, uh, the Forge Cleric, if, I think if support classes were more interesting like this, more people would want to play them. Otherwise, you just end up sitting back there, I'll heal, oh, I'll, I'll bless you, and then you just really kind of get bored with it. Whereas, you know, with the chef, you can, you know, throwing food across the battlefield as needed, or... <laughs> that was just one of my favorite parts. <laughs> or, you know, having what, you know, the, the utility that you carry with you really can make or break a party. Um, and so it was a lot of one of the best support classes I've ever played. And once again, thank you Messy6 for that. Also, um, 
Again, my shout out to uh, read my own chicken scratch, uh, Christopher Lindsay, for your grung race and your one grung above supplement was so much fun. <laughs> Mind you, I, I I took some liberties with it. Yes, I don't think they were meant to be French, <laughs> but. I feel like once the idea was out there, when I when I was discussing with Mike, when we were, as we were coming up with ideas for our characters, as soon as the the, the concept of a a French chef, it would have it didn't matter what race I played, it would have been, but the grung just made it work for me. Um, Do you have anything to say to anyone of French persuasion <laughs> who may be listening? And- <laughs> I will start off by saying yes. I don't. I know you guys don't sound like that. Blame Monty Python, if you will. <laughs> but that being said, I did like being able to utilize some of the features that the Grung Race brought. I know I didn't hit with it a lot. It didn't really come up, you know, a super high amount. But part of that is based on the class that I was playing. But being able to poison a weapon as a part of an attack action is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and. You know, I, I am kind of thankful that you know, if it wasn't limited to piercing weapons, every single one of my chef's knives as it came out yeah. would have been poison, 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 which is something actually you can kind of do with one of the other uh, chef specialties. But know this, a grung rogue yeah. would be ridiculous. Just poison constantly. Poison sneak attack. Yeah. Just stacking dice on dice. Um, not to mention, you know, the whole amphibious. It, it's it would be another really great race for or race for a campaign where you have to where you have to sit there and manage, you know, hey, it's a new day. I need to go swimming for an hour to make your fit swim time fun complete. Wait an hour after you eat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the whole water dependency and you know managing your character as you know with the the whole poisonous skin. Which is why, you know, as a chef, I was always fully clothed and fully gloved. But, uh, you know, having to deal with, my paladin has to lay on hands to heal me. Oh no, he now has to make a save to not be poisoned. Which, once you get to higher levels, your poison is going to be less and less effective based on that really low DC, you know, even at level 20, a DC 12 poison check. You're going to reach the point where it's almost, you know, they're almost always going to make that save. But that being said, early levels especially, you, you can really make a lot of use of it. Plus the mobility you get from having that climb speed as well as the walk speed. You know, there were some times I really would have liked to have taken better advantage of that, but we really didn't need me to, you know, climb up a wall and start, you know, throwing syrup and cake flour down, <laughs> raining baked goods from above. I'm really, really, really glad that I got to play this combination, and I'm going to, I'm going to tuck this one away for future use. And if if I ever have a friend that runs a uh, a homebrew campaign, and you guys at home, this is definitely even even with the kind of you know this combination, it is really easy. I, I think you're I think you would have a really easy time convincing your DM that this that this class and this race are very balanced. They can bring a lot to the to the party, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to be rolling over anybody. I'm not going to be, you know, just super heal everybody. But I'll have that vers- you'll have that versatility that you need. That is so key, I think, in a 
you know, overall support class like that this is designed to be. So once again, great job, Messy Six. I love your chef class. It's it's c'est magnifique, <laughs> if you will. And uh, Christopher Lindsay, your grung was so much fun. And mad props to you both. Thank you very much, everybody. It has been a lot of fun. All right, and with that, we will end this week of a ho- of the Homebrew Review. Once again, if you want to check us out, please look at our Patreon account and uh, get your chance to join the show. It's always a ton of fun, uh, and we encourage everybody to uh, put in their ideas that they're able to. So with this, we will go ahead and say goodbye. Bye. Right, right. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you once again for joining us for another episode of the Homebrew Review. If you would like a chance to join our show and vote on who gets in and what material makes it, please visit our Patreon page where you can help support our podcast and possibly join the crew here. Also, if you would like to follow us, we are on Facebook at Guild Adventure. You can also find us on our website along with links to all the material at www.theadventuringguild.com. And if you are able, please check out Syndicate Games in Kearney, Nebraska for all of your gaming needs. So thank you all very much and we hope to see you next week. Bye.